So, with me having caught up with One Piece, and having started Banjo-Kazooie, and you having watched Dragon Prince and gotten around to Lord of the Rings, we Mm -hmm. have now succeeded at fulfilling all of the Design Dorks Accords. Indeed! So I kind of just wanted to start this off and just... Because it's a fun way of kind of just bartering for topics that you yourself want to discuss. So I just wanted to throw out, are there any, like... Can we make any deals right here? Is there anything in particular that you'd be willing to barter up with me? Ooh... What would be a good one? I assume that you bring this up with an idea in mind. I do indeed have an idea in mind. I would be Look, seduce me more so than I happy think. to trade Rayman 3 for any Metal Gear of choice. I feel like that's about equal there, both something that we both enjoy talking about. Bro, you started Metal Gear Solid. You gotta finish that. Like, that, that, that's I just know, a freebie. I know. But there's just like, so like, many things, and this me. would be a really easy way to just single out... And go for it. Also, Rayman 3 is really short, man. You can get well, that I get that, sitting. but like, in that time, how many times is Billy West going to talk my ear off? Because I've seen like 10 minutes of that game, and Billy West never shuts up. It's only in the first bit. You get a more balanced bit of dialogue. Also, it's funny. It's meta. I can't breathe. He argues with, like, the manual and shit? And, like, it's funny, but, like... Murphy's only in the first level. It literally is just that ten minutes and then he's gone. My god, what a first impression for that game. Okay, sure. Fine, yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3. Okay, okay. Well, playing that first mess with anything or just enhance the experience? I'm not sure what the continuity of Metal Gear is. It is the first game in the series chronologically. In the series timeline chronology. Okay, There are okay. references to later games, but if you understand the basics of who Naked Snake is, and I'm talking like the very basics of what that character is, then you'll get it. Okay, okay. By which I mean, if you have seen his Smash Brothers spirit and what it evolves into, you get it. <laughs> Alright, yeah, yeah, no problem. Then you will be fine. All right. Uh, you got any ideas for trade-offs? Let me see. Because now, because you had me consider which Melgar game I wanted to do, and that's like, mm, oh boy, where are we going? No, <laughs> not coming to me quickly. Because <laughs> like I could offer stuff that like obviously I really really enjoy, like Yu Yu Hakusho or Assassination Classroom or stuff. But I, I want to get stuff that's like curtailed to you. Okay, okay, that's fair. Want to be polite and nice. Uh, I force say I know that Near Automata is in your top ten, and I do own it. it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh huh. Okay, fine. Give me an offer for Automata. Ah, okay. Let's see. Would be a half decent. I don't know if you have the means to play Hi-Fi Rush. I do not. Okay, then that's not particularly worth it. What about Divinity? Didn't you buy that for me? I did, but, like, I just want more focus, like, because that's one of my favorite games of all time, and I will force okay. you to play it. That's... How long of a game is that? Ah! Uh, oh, gosh, how long of a game? It's very replayable, but I could get through that fairly quickly. I'd say, like, 10 hours if you're just going through the story, up to 30 if you really just want to go around and get everything. Okay, Ahmad is still longer than 30. Okay, so well, that, that's not that's a fair trade, yeah. then. Yeah, that's that's more than doable. All right, good. And that's two more two more accords set up. Excellent. Good. Deal set. All video games. 
indeed. Alright, so yeah, welcome to Design Dorks, everybody. The monthly show... Oh my gosh, English just failed me there. The monthly podcast where we talk about video games, talk about the news. Just a very chill affair where we talk about all that stuff that we wouldn't be able to get to in our videos. I am the Duke of Dorks, and joining me, as always, is our beloved co-host. It is Pyrrhic Kong from The Designing Four. Just release a nice snake video. Well done with that one. Thank you very much. I'm really, really happy with it. I, I'm always impressed by how good David Hayter's voice lines are. Right? I, I, I wish he did just more stuff. Like, I know he's kind of a high-profile actor with just being Solid Snake, but I, I just want more. Yeah, but he's one of the most giving guys. He'll, like, say anything at cons. He does, like, little... Like, just this last year, he did a Metal Gear... Mr. Grinch parody with Cam Clark as Liquid Snake. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. Like, just one of the most giving guys, and just, ah, the iconography of that voice just was so fun to play around with. For sure, for sure. It's nice when you just have a cornucopia of just like, what what fun edits will we throw Offerman today? Exactly! And then he exceeds my expectations every time. Dude's a madman. Straight up. He is. That Red Sun sequence made me cry. Because it was really good. <laughs> uh, I, I know it's just kind of retreading ground that we already covered here, but it's so nice to just see. Like, it, it shows what a well-edited video can do with a topic. Like, it's fun to talk about just various things here, but when you actually double down and just really highlight something, just, ah, it's so good. Yeah. I just, I'm so happy to have it in a format where I feel like there's a cohesive narrative flow to it. Exactly, exactly. In any case, uh, we've looked over wagers, we've had ideas, and we have settled, and we have come to an agreement. And it is not King K. Rule. It is not. He died. Rest in peace, our beloved soul. Uh, But this time around, we actually have a bit of a Uh, Mm -hmm. two-parter. What should we call this, actually? Right, you're asking me on a day where my wit is, like, at a two. <laughs> like, like, the banjo bet is obvious, but that, that doesn't encapsulate it all. Exactly. Uh, it, 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 it's Ridley, and it's Banjo, and they're friends, but they're gambling. Uh, Ridley and Banjo go to Vegas. That, that's the segment, Ridley and Banjo go to Vegas. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, a plan Dungeons well, I'm just and trying Dragons. to Justin Roiland it out right here. Is, is there something that starts with a D that relates to Banjo? Is it like Dungeons and Dragons, but... <laughs> yeah, Dragon Do, Doofuses and Dragons? Uh, I guess Dingpots and Dragons. <laughs> that Dingpot is a character. Yeah, Dingpots and Dragons. We How did it, Dingpots and Dragons! Yeah, new bet. Dingpots and Dragons. So kind of building off of what we did last time, the bet was, King K. Rool will be relevant in the year of 2022. Uh, This time, it's a two-parter. One submission from me, one submission from Beer. We are saying that both Banjo and Ridley will be relevant in the year of 2023. From Ridley's case, probably Metroid Prime 4. He's going to show up in some way. And Banjo's case, well, you had a wording specifically for that. Could you repeat that? Yes. If Banjo is relevant in any form of media, 
So not merchandise releases, because he's already relevant this year. Yeah. Most, mo- most characters are. Yeah. But like some sort of like a show or a new game or a crossover or... Yes. Just something to point out and be like, oh, he's kind of still in the, the general media consciousness right now. Yes. If you throw him in the zeitgeist beyond his fan base. Yeah. I'd throw that in for Ridley as well. I just don't see him really showing up anywhere else. Like, if some Metroid show just drops, that counts. But <laughs> much as I would love that, that I don't see happening. He's going to be a guest character in Mario Kart for some reason. Just Ridley, not Samus. No, that'd be about right. Yeah, but something along those levels. And uh, for the punishment, we're kind of combining the two ideas. The loser, and this could be both of us for this matter, we're just... If Ridley isn't relevant, I lose. If Banjo isn't relevant, Pierre loses. So we could both easily lose this. But mm-hmm. the loser has to reenact a dramatic scene from Metroid Other M, but all of the dialogue must rhyme in the style of Banjo and Kazooie. It is the only punishment I felt was fitting. It's, just, it's the only I, thing. I just want to see, like, maybe maybe the Ridley scene, where, like, just, like Ridley is just going full Gruntilda. <laughs> yes. Samus, as he's just messing with her. That would have actually just made the scene good. Figure out two different roars that <laughs> rhyme with each other. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> uh, but that will be the bets moving forward. Dingpots and dragons. Hooray, we did it. All right. So what you been playing this month? Yeah, I've been doing a bunch of just little things that have been just nice and fun. Just a quick little short one. Uh, I went to MAGFest at the start of last month. And that was a delightful time. I had a wonderful time there. Uh, But what they had there specifically was, well, first off, it was the most massive arcade I've ever seen. It was, the whole setup was like, on one side was just a room filled with consoles, not just wall to wall, but like a warehouse with rows of consoles on them. And yes, every time I passed the station that was playing Banjo-Kazooie was taken. Aww. Uh, and then an artist Sally, and then another basically warehouse-sized room that was an indie game showcase, and then another room that was just filled with arcade games, including an F-Zero AX machine. Oh, it, that that sounds like Nirvana, man. It was incredible. But in the console room, against one wall, was a bunch of unique consoles, and they uh, tied to your little MAGFest badge, and you would scan it in, and it had a bunch of MAGFest challenges that were specific games that they had hacked in order to make you do a challenge. For example, one was uh, Mario 64, and it was Bowser in the Fire Sea, with the caveat that Mario is now unable to jump. So you have to get to the end of that level without jumping at all. Interesting. Which is using the lava boost. When Mario gets hit by lava and jumps up, you have to figure out how to navigate that in order to make it work all the way through the level. And everyone was like a little puzzle. And the one that I did was beating the level um, Crockhead Clamber from Donkey Kong Country 2 without killing a single enemy. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And at first you go, oh, how hard can that be? But then if you imagine that level, which has like those little dragonfly enemies that you're meant to jump off of one and the other and the other and the other, mm-hmm. and they have those Kremlin enemies that jump up and down that you're supposed to just leap off of to continue your momentum, that becomes a nightmare of trying to stall out your momentum with Dixie's helicopter twirl in midair so that you can duck under their big jump 
and jump before they land back down in order to get over and then glide over the next uh, dragonfly without actually landing on it with just pixels, mere pixels to get you through. And every time that you would land on it, it will immediately go, you monster, how could you? Reset. <laughs> it's not like a, oh, at the end of the level, haha, too bad, but you missed five boxes. It is an immediate fail state. Okay, so it's easy to just keep trying and over and yeah, over and it, over Yeah, it was built for That's replays. Nice. That's nice. It took me 55 minutes to beat that. Oh, Because it would take me like a solid 20 minutes to figure out, okay, how do I get past this? What can I test? And then I have to do everything in the level first because you have to do it in one clean run. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that fluke victory that got you through the first time and you try and figure out, okay, how did I do that, though? (laughs) Oh, I haven't had that feeling in a long time. And the best part is that you're just surrounded by people trying to do these challenges by you all looking around, all cheering each other on. It was the best community experience I've had. That sounds so nice. I know. There was one guy who was trying for like an hour to play through Sonic 2, but every time you collect a ring, it warps you to a different level, and you have to beat four levels without dying with that caveat. Oh, gosh. Another one was uh, Main Brace Mayhem in DKC2 without collecting a single banana. Uh, There was one for, like, Kirby's Adventure, several Mario 64, several Mario 1s. It was a great time. I wish I could have spent more time on it, because the, like, hour and a half I spent doing just a couple different challenges was a blast. That sounds like the kind of thing I would just stay there for the entirety of MAGFest. If I had more time at MAGFest, I would have stayed there, because they save your progress to your badge, and then you could have gotten prizes. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was... It was so smartly done and just so simple. Like, I could do the same challenge at home, essentially, but just so clever in how it incentivized it and brings a group together. And just like, it's, it's, is it an actual video game? No, but it was one of the best gaming community experiences I've had in a long while. Lovely. And then, um, this month I've mostly looked to games that I haven't beaten before or haven't gone through in full. So this month, I beat a game that I'd only gone midway through before, which was a Legend of Z- The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Nice. Always a classic. Why it hadn't you is. beaten it before? I'm curious. Uh, I get to the Dark World and I get bored. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of fair. I, th- I feel like most Zelda games have something like that, where you just get a certain point and it just, there's a hurdle you have to get through before, to get to like the next string of set pieces. It's not even a hurdle, it's just like, oh, you played your hand. I see. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And it's just something about, like, the Helmosaur King's dungeon is just like, it's not difficult, I'm just not interested. But yeah, I went through it, uh, start to finish, finally. I uh, got, I think, all but three heart pieces, uh, all the items, and I have to say, wow, that is an insanely consistent game. Like, start to finish, it is strongly at about a 7 out of 10 the entire time. (laughs) Testament to its quality, there is never a time where A Link to the Past dips significantly. You are always getting that Zelda experience. And it is good at what it is doing. I need to give praise to the overworld of A Link to the Past. Because it is really, really smartly considered, especially for 91. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Like, what it is doing there with the two worlds mechanics, warping between them, considering the terrains, having quests that change between them, and changing the story of them based on what you do in one world and the other. The little thing with the tragic flute boy who turns into a tree? That's crazy! Yeah. That's, like, leagues better than what you're doing in Zelda 1. I like Zelda 1's overworld more. Because it is mean, and it bullies you, and Link to the Past is a little too segmented for me. Okay, I, I think I can see that. I, I do feel like Zelda 1 goes a little too far with it. Just It's not fun just burning each individual tree, going back and forth and back and forth. I feel that most of the trees either mark themselves well enough. Like, people are like, oh, how are you ever supposed to find Dungeon 8? I'm like, it's in a narrow stretch of trees. They're like one pixel each. They're, it's, it's really obvious that you burn the bush there. Like, I get that Zelda 1 is too cryptic for its own good these days. I understand that. This is why Tunic exists. Never played Tunic, but I'm just assuming. <laughs> I don't know. I like that meanness to it. It makes every secret that I find feel like something more. Whereas when I find the ice rod in it, I go, oh, wow, here's another thing that I'm never going to use. That's fair. That's fair. I do feel... How, how do I put this to words? The general hostility of the original Zelda just kind of makes the world feel just more... Like, it, mm -hmm. it adds to the tension of the adventure very nicely. It's kind of something they tried to recapture with, like, Breath of the Wild. Whereas yeah. Link to the Past, it does it does kind of feel like they put the kitty gloves on for it. Yeah. And, like, I, I, I respect that. I respect that. It's yes. not necessarily a bad thing. And, and I know you can sequence break. I did Thieves Town as my second Dark World dungeon. Like, I know that there's some things that you can do, and that's really clever, and that's really smartly done, but... I don't think I like any of the dungeons except Ganon's Tower. Like, they're all just fine. They're just find the block you can push to move on and find which room has the key to unlock the door. And there's not really much more to them than that. It is very much just the series' early attempts at trying to figure out what kind of puzzles they wanted to do. Yeah, but I find it crazy that, like... You go to Link's Awakening on the Game Boy like That's two years later, true. and they figured it out. I don't know, maybe Growing Pains? I don't know. Oh my god, like, comparing any dungeon in this game to Eagle's Tower? Holy shit, it, it's a slaughter. But it's very... I feel like Zelda dungeons at this point in time are more interested in being a labyrinth than a series of puzzles. It, it, it kind of changes from game to game, but I see it, yeah. Like, I feel like you could very easily put almost every single one of these uh, Link to the Past dungeons in that first-person dungeon crawler perspective and not miss much. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think Turtle Rock would be the only exception to that. I feel a lot of rigidity with that. I know that there's a lot that you can do with Link to the Past. It provides you a great framework. And I, again, I am not saying this game is bad. I am saying... That it does what it does so consistently, and if this is exactly what you're looking for, I can see how this is the best game of all time to you. Because if what Links of the Past is doing is a 10 out of 10 to you, then it never dips. Like, it is remarkable how this game is well-designed, and I just don't care. <laughs> like, I cannot say that any part of this game is bad. I would not say that any part of this game is more than, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I do think Turtle Rock is probably the best dungeon there. I agree with that, but... I really it, like Ganon's then, Tower. 
I really like it as just a gauntlet of slowly going up, slowly beating your way through enemies. It it feels like a proper climax to the game, and then it faces you with the harsh reality that the only cool trick every boss knows is to knock you off a platform so you have to do them from the start again. That is just, yeah. Yeah. Which, like, the worm guy, I got it for, but then when Ganon did it to me, I was like, really? That's just a bit anticlimactic. Uh-huh. That's the best you got, big man? That and your attack of, ooh, you can't hit me without your nightlight powers. <laughs> Light the torches so you can see my big fleshy piggy body. Like, shut up, Gan. I, I do respect it for how much it just laid the oh, groundwork yeah. for everything that came afterward, but I don't think I would ever choose to go back to it unless it's like a randomizer or something when Link Between Worlds is just right yeah. there. I see why a randomizer works so well for this game. But I feel like it's so weird to me because I can go back to games and I can go, this is the pure untainted experience. This feels great. With Links to the Past, I feel this is the framework. I I feel similarly to Links to the Past the way I do Breath of the Wild. I was just about to say that, yeah. But Breath of the Wild has higher highs for me. Like that traversal and the ideas of it just work better, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I still want to see the final draft of Breath of the Wild. I still feel like this is an incredibly clever tech demo. Links of the Past, I can't call a tech demo because, no, it's insanely impressive for start of its generation Super Nintendo. But I would call it a tech demo if it were released in 95. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, good game. Impressed. But also not? Just satisfied, I'd say. Yeah, slimy yet satisfying. There we go. <laughs> That's Link to the Past, baby. All right, what you got? What, what your video games? Uh, just a couple of small things. It's It's been three months, so I'm back again with just a small... Just like, oh yeah, I have a TFT addiction. Let's talk about this a bit. Uh, not, not gonna spend too much time on it, just because I've talked about it to death, but they did a fun, just kind of kaiju versus superheroes thing that, this time. It's always oh, a cool. good time. I love kaiju. And they, the special thing they did this time was, in previous sets, they did these things called augments, where, like, every five rounds or so, you'd have, be able to choose, like, little buffs that would affect your entire team. Like, everybody gets health regeneration if they're holding an item, or you get an extra slot of this specific trait here that'll boost your entire team. Just small things like that. This time, they added on top of that that every now and then, you'll be able to get a specific augment dedicated to an individual unit. They're called Hero Augments, and you can just make whatever that unit does really well be done insanely well and completely change up your board by focusing it around a single hero. Okay. Which just... it I've developed so much respect for the developers of this game because they just find new ways to just add layers upon layers upon an already very addictive uh, gameplay loop they've got going here because on top of the, like, hundred or so Augments they have that just change your gameplay in various ways, now there's... Two separate augments for every individual unit, and there's like 50 units in the game. So on top of the already insane replay value, you've got like an entire hundred other options that could show up in every individual run. Just like, I'm never going to be able to break this addiction just because every single game is completely different. Because like, yeah, I've got this unit now, but every time they cast an ability, they drop a gold. And that's just insane for any type of economy rush kind of build. Or this guy just makes everybody crit. Just, in general, everybody critical hits. You have to play around that, otherwise you just win. Yeah, no, you're screwed. Ah. Like, sorry, buddy, you, you don't have the ability to move on now. Nope, 
Not even a little bit. The game bit. is like, it's, let, it's, let me just double the content. I'm, I'm trapped in an endless loop, but it's still fun. So I can't complain that much. Uh, on top of that, in uh, regards to the uh, Design Dorks Accord we made, I have started Banjo-Kazooie. Tell and me everything. a delightful time. Like, I already said this to you, but I'll repeat it again because it's worth repeating. I respect the hell out of that intro. I wish more games just had their characters play their themes. It's so good. It's so charming. It's wholesome. It's one of the best first impressions you can have with a game. I don't think that there's a moment in Banjo-Kazooie where I wasn't like, yay, I am happy. That sets the tone so good. Like, I, I can't speak to Banjo-Kazooie with out any level of bias because th- it was the first time I walked around in a 3D world. So like comparing any controls of any 3D game, I compare it to Banjo-Kazooie. Oh yeah, no, I, I see that. So, but yeah, I really like it. That was little moments of just showcasing all of their personalities immediately through music. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I cannot get enough of just mumbo just teleporting in different instruments every time Banjo kicks one away. It's so delightful. He is so smug in a way that, like, if you just had him in the game without this scene, wouldn't be conveyed quite as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is ridiculously charming. I have that in my notes, just ridiculously charming, all caps, font up to 24, bolded. <laughs> It's between all the dialogue, the googly eyes, the mu- the, the god-tier music. My goodness. Oh, every time I listen back to that intro, I just sit there. I'm like, oh, damn, Grant Kirkhope really did remix Bad Monster Mansion for this tiny 30 seconds of the intro just to give Grunty an extra leitmotif. Yeah, I, I have yet to hear a song that I haven't just been smiling ear to ear listening to it. I've only gotten through the first two levels, so Mumbo's Mountain and Treasure Trove Cove. So I do need you to tell me again about Treasure Trove Cove, because that's the level where I feel like it just sticks of, no, this is Banjo-Kazooie, though. I, I will tell the embarrassing story of just dying to the crab. Cause, cause, so what happened with that crab is that I saw the height that Shell was at, and I thought, oh, that looks... I could probably crouch and jump onto that. Maybe you're supposed to... They're trying to get you to, like, jump on the shell, jump off, and then turn and hit it. And I was shit at that timing, so every single time I tried, I got smacked. I had to come back to it and realize that, oh, wait, there's there's so much time between these swipes. You can totally just walk up and smack him in the face. What if you just punched the man in the face? Which is so funny, because I, I still took a second to just... I, I had tried to do the jump up, hit him in the face by jumping off the shell... By doing that, so I, I just was at one hit point walking into the shell, just kind of feeling silly, but like, okay, I figured it out. The way the crabs in the shell spawn is that you're walking <laughs> towards them as they're coming at you. There is no time to react to that. So I died again. <sighs> I don't know. Why weren't you more careful? I wasn't expecting it. I just beat the boss. Don't you know about inner baby crabs? No. Oh. Didn't you know that when he screamed, ah, he was giving birth to two children? No, they were just there. Also, the the screams that he give when the screams he do when he die, they're very funny. I like them. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Just just the voices of every character in this. It's been very (sighs) funny just trying to look at puzzles and just. I have the 3D mentality of 3D platformers just being like, this isn't Baby's first platform. Like, okay, there's. There's something complicated here. Like, okay, this is this is in depth. So I got to the part where the room is flooded, 
I'm just been like, oh, okay, I see the letters on the wall. You're supposed to kind of just like swim around here and touch all of them at once. And I spent like 10 goddamn minutes in there trying to get all of them in sequence, being like, oh, I didn't get that one. And you maybe have to jump up and like get them each individually. Just, just couldn't figure it out. I walk up, I see a bucket on a ledge. And I'm just like, god damn it. I believe your words to me were, if this goddamn bucket is the solution. Just if this, I, I can already tell like, it's a bucket, it's going to drain it. I'm so mad. I know this is what it is, but please don't be. Please say I wasn't doing this for nothing, and it was! Give Leaky Pebble? <sighs> but no, that was on me. Uh, I do like when you drain it and the mine just explodes. <laughs> just like, ha, you've ended life permanently! But yeah, it, it, is, it is a frustration in a way that I am having so much fun with it, because it is all entirely my fault. And it's, it's, it's the kind of mistake you're like, oh, yeah, that was me being stupid. Ha ha. Okay, m moving on. And, like, in, in between all of that, I am so impressed by how, uh, like, Banjo-Kazooie essentially made Mario Odyssey 20 years before that game even existed. Oh, like, yeah. just going around a seamless world, just picking up all collectibles, just full of charm and character. The, the fact that you can just fly up to the top of that mountain and it's seamless, that blows yes. my mind. Ugh. And the now music that is your first 3D world and your first experience with flight. I can't even imagine. <sighs> what was what, what can I even compare that to? Rayman 3's yellow power-up, I guess, the Hulk. But even then, that's very limited. But just having full, unabashed flight, that's so good. I know. <clears throat> then just little things like the music changing. Like, I love when you get to toward the salty hippo in the middle and it changes to a more accordion-based version of the song. Oh, for sure, for sure. I love that every collectible talks to you. Yes. It's so small, but it's so delightful. The entire world just feels alive. Because it is. <laughs> Very literally. I have to say the one comment from you that made me happier than anything was just getting a message that says, Yo, Talentrot feels good. It does feel so good. Just, it makes the size of the world's just... Feels so nice. Like, why doesn't Bre I, I know Breath of the Wild has like the horse, but just being able to just be like, okay, I have my mount in my backpack. Let's just swap places for a second. It's such a nice way of like feeling that teamwork between the two of them. Yes, even if Kazooie is the only one worth a damn in combat. But uh, yeah, like sometimes you roll into people, but just the jump attack is just like, why would you use anything else? Oh yeah, that's active for so long. I think that 3D platformers really, really need a defining form of movement in order to make it feel good. With Mario 64, it's the long jump. With Spyro, it's the charge. With Banjo, it is absolutely the talent trot. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that it's like so flexible until you jump and then it's a commitment. Yeah. But when you go brew, it feels so good. You go so fast. <laughs> Uh, I, I will say, not necessarily as a detriment to the game, but I can definitely feel the age of this coming to it 20 years later. Uh, particularly swimming. Like, swimming's just hard. Not get better. No, no, I'm not. Especially when it's got, like, the top-down perspective. Like, I, I can see myself definitely getting used to it, but doing it, being like, okay, up is down, but down is up. But from my perspective, up is sideways, and just, I, I, I'm, I am not a just bit hit worried R. about... You can't hit R when it's top-down perspective, though, because it's a fixed camera. Oh, not just get better at perspective. Flaws <laughs> are just things that you aren't good enough to beat. Sure. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do also kind of miss a uh, a ledge grab, just a bit. 
Like that's another thing. I just need to get better at the platforming. I, I I'm I'm really feeling it. Just having Rayman three being my first three D platform. I'm just being definitely handicapped by the hair and the ledge grab just being allowing for any mistake. I get that. I 100% get that. But because I have to defend every element of this game, I will point out that you have like the most generous second jump in the world. Is uh, yeah, yeah. Compare this to Rayman's hair. Rayman's hair is just Dixie Kong's hair in a 3D platformer. You you do not fall off of anything in Rayman. Whereas Banjo Kazooie, like you you can course correct, but like you fall pretty quickly because Banjo's just fat, and Kazooie cannot keep him in the air for very long. Kazooie gives her best. No, no, it's she tries. Like a, she absolutely carries the duo. That's Herculean what she does. But like, I'll be walking down a very thin platform very carefully. I have to really just take my time with it because I know I'm not good at this. Oh dear, I'm trying to think of what thin platforms are in the first two worlds and comparing them to the thinner platforms in later Oh no, worlds. I I know it is going to get worse. And I don't to be fair, it fact. will take a while to get worse. It is not necessarily a bad thing. It is just that I am used to ha- being having my hand held the entire time. Like my, the three D platform, I I like apart from Raymond, I've had like flood to keep me going. I can like easily re just course correct with Cappy. Like I don't play at many three D platformers, so oh oh, you're baby. Okay, no, I am absolutely baby. Like it's just straight up. <laughs> mm. But I'm having a great time. Definitely gonna keep playing. Happy. Looking forward. Talking about it next time. Awesome. The next world is the worst one. Oh joy. Okay. But okay. I'm I'm glad I know that going into it, so I can just talk yes, through it. Yes. I need to brace you for that. Okay. Well, which one is it? Just out of curiosity. Uh, that is uh, Clanker's Cavern. Oh. Oh. Okay. It, it is no, the yeah. only one that Grant Kirkhope didn't remix on his latest album. <laughs> I, I I have heard. So no. No. Yeah. All right. I'm prepared. Okay. Cool. Braced. I don't think it's that bad. People just need to get better. But it is worse than the others. Good to know. Uh, let's grab... Uh, I'll do this one. Uh, also, after the uh, Game Awards announcement, I got extremely hyped for the sequel. I was like, you know what? I love Hades. Let's go back and play that for a second. Oh, nice. And it, it's still a solid game. But uh, I realized something that I hadn't... I just completely glossed over the first time around. Hades has something called a hell mode. Okay. So, like, um, uh, just basically a hard mode starting off with the game. What it does is that it instantly activates the Pact of Punishment, like, right from the get-go. Uh, puts five tiers into it. Well, five skulls. And you can't get rid of what it assigns to you. And okay. one of those is the, uh, effect that absolutely nukes your invincibility frames. Oh, dear. Yeah, and that immediately completely changes how the game works. Because, like, it just, multi-hit attacks are just going to immediately kill you, so you have to be so much more careful just every single encounter is threatening. Combine that with going back to square one, so, like, none of the ga- late-game buffs, you only have one dash, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're playing the game, it becomes just, oh, it's such a delightfully fresh challenge. I might go so far as to say it's one of the best second playthroughs of a game I've experienced. Uh, just because the game's mechanics just go in different directions when you have to be so much more careful from the start. Uh, a big part of that is because that's because you're just dying more. You're dying to things that you uh, didn't die to before, and you're seeing new dialogue. So even the story is giving, like, replay value as various characters mock you for just, 
What, you stepped in lava? Really? That's like the easiest <laughs> thing to avoid. Come on, man. Oh, oh, good. Hypnos needed more ship talk. Ah, uh, yeah, I love Hypnos so much. Like, th- th- I don't think there is a character in that game that I don't love. Like, all of them absolutely nail what they are going th- for. Achilles You're completely is a right. perfect mentor. N- Nyx is just a wonderful mother figure. Uh, Theseus is such an asshole, and I Theseus. love him so much. Oh my god. Uh, they're just, they're just, it's just perfect. Oh, I have so many characters that I like in that game, but like Theseus and Dusa, I clung to as my, yes, you two. You two. Why? Don't know, but my soul says you two. I want to have a friend like Dionysus so bad. He seems like the most fun to hang around with. Oh my god. And he's so hot. They're all so hot. <laughs> They're all hot, but like him specifically, though. I, oh my god, he's pouring wine into my ear. I have never been more seduced. <laughs> this is about to become a Greek tragedy. Uh, indeed. And just the way they tie into mythology. Like, I love how Zagreus messes with Orpheus saying like, oh yeah, me and Dionysus, we're kind of the same person here. To harken back how the myth of Zagreus is kind of so heavily tied with him that people are confused. Like, are they kind of the same person? Like, they know Greek mythology through and through, and they just go with every single bit of it. It's so good. Yeah, it's a good game. This is mm-hmm. the part where you pause for me to respond, and I go, yes, good game. <laughs> uh, adding on to the fact that it's, um, I, I kind of just wanted to, feeling the, like, oh, this is kind of a new game now. I kind of dove into that further and made an active effort to pick boons I always skipped over before. That I'd written off because, all oh, this feels kind of useless, or just because, like, I can't not pick the Demeter laser crystal because it's so fun to just drop five of those and disintegrate everything on the screen. Yes, fair. Uh, more specifically, I never really had that much luck with the spear, and even less with its special because it just, it just doesn't feel good. Like, I'm sure you feel that because you throw it out, boomerang's back, it takes so long. That always felt bad to me. No, I like the spear. The bow was the one I never clicked with. Really? Yeah, for whatever reason, the bow is it. The the shield? The shield was my baby. I loved Charging Star all the way through. Oh yeah, shield is good. And then when you get the upgrade that turns it into a Beyblade, and then it turns yes. it into a second Beyblade. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So so for mine, um, I wrote on a specific build here. Just been like, okay, Spear, let's see what you can do. Uh, what happened was an a- Artemis and Aphrodite build. I tried to focus, like, okay, I'm going to figure this special out if it kills me. So I made it critically hit with Artemis, and I got the Mm -hmm. duo boon, which made crits do more damage when an enemy was inflicted with Aphrodite's weakness, which was on my attack. Right. Also found the Aphrodite thing that makes weak enemies take more damage, because, you know, why not? Then I proceeded to buff the ever-living shit out of my special and crit chance at every opportunity. I found two Daedalus hammers, one turned it into an explosive projectile, the special, and the other let me charge it for double damage. Just as a beautiful cherry on top, I somehow managed to get Hermes to give me three extra dashes. So just Holy shit, evading dude. everything. Prior to that run, I hadn't beat Theseus and Asterius yet. It was very early on. Mm-hmm. And after it, I beat Hades' first try. I think it was 14th or so. Because every time I threw the spear, it did 2,000 splash damage. It was so great. I was a god. Yeah, okay. I mean, you had me at, I have three extra dashes. And I'm like, oh, you won that run, didn't you? <laughs> it, it was disgusting. Like, everything just melted. Like, you know you know those annoying just butterfly balls? Just one-shotting yes. them. Yes. Oh, good. Good. Kill those fuckers. 
And that was just one run. Like, I have so much respect for every weapon now, including the spear, which is just what didn't click with me. It does insane damage at a safe range, and getting the Athena deflect on the spin attack is so funny. You just go into oh, that, wow, like, witch's yeah. circle in, um, this, in, uh, what's the second one? Asphodel, yeah. Yes. And you stand in the center, charge it up, and just reflect everything they throw at you back at them every single time. It feels so good. It's so funny. Yeah. It, it's really a testament to how good Hades is, where you're saying all these things, and all I'm thinking is, I should replay Hades. I, 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 I want to keep going. But it, like, it's I, a I, game with, runs. like, infinite content. Right? Like, I, I'm... I've, Doing this playthrough, I've realized it's just, oh yeah, none of these buffs are bad. You just gotta figure out how to use them. Except maybe the Guan Yu Spear. That one kind of felt bad, but I, I haven't unlocked it yet, and I'm excited uh, to see, yeah, like, okay, let's... figure out how you use that one. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way. The, the game design here is too solid. I just haven't figured it out. My brain's too small. I, I gotta keep practicing. But yeah, good game. Cannot wait for the sequel. It's gonna be so good. It's a game that, honestly, I look at and I go, how do you make a sequel to this? This game is infinite i mean i get that you make a sequel to it because money but like it almost worries me that it's going to be antiquated by the time hades 2 comes out from what i've seen they seem to be like completely changing like up melione i think making her more of a spellcaster so zagreus is more just rough and tumble use the weapon beat everybody up right so depending on how they make it like like you're playing as a completely different character i could see that being the appeal okay all right uh, what else have you been playing? So, in with my deep dive of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System online, uh, I played a bunch of games, a bunch that clicked with me, a bunch that didn't. Uh, Links to the Past, I saw all the way through. Uh, Super Villas 4, I did not. I quit that after 10 minutes. Uh, Psycho Dream, I quit after 3 minutes. Those are just not fun games. But then I ended up latching onto a bunch of puzzle games and just going through them because i i do really love puzzlers like pokemon puzzle league is one of my favorite games of all time i feel like everyone has that one puzzle game where they're like no this is the good one that i could spend forever on be it tetris be it dr mario be it tetris attack anything of that sort so i just wanted to play through a bunch uh i played through dr mario nes And I got through, it has 24 different rounds to it, so I got through all 24 rounds. Nice. That game's weird. Like, when you think about what Dr. Mario is, it's a puzzle game that gets easier the longer you play around. Whereas almost every other puzzle game is the opposite. Yeah. Because the setup for it is just, let's load the screen with viruses. Okay, now do it. And the odd thing is, you have very few moves when it's just stuffed with viruses. Like, you can solidly lose in Dr. Mario in, like, four or five pills. And Dr. Mario, just in general, is a game about mitigation due to the way that the pills are formed, where you only have the red, the yellow, and the blue sides to them, but the pill Dr. Mario throws out, that could be any combination of those colors. So if you don't have say, a red and a yellow next to each other, and you have a red and yellow pill, you gotta figure out what you're doing with that yellow. And then that row is like, okay, this is now a yellow row. Okay, what am I doing with this column? Is it easier to eliminate these viruses from the side or from above? And the more you play it, 
and the less viruses there are, the more it just kind of becomes a waiting game for, okay, do I have the right color yet? Okay, great. Cool. No? Okay, I guess I'll wait a little longer and use the entire left side of the screen for garbage. It's such an odd single-player experience because I feel like you know if you'll beat a Dr. Mario round within the first two minutes. However, it may take you 10 or 15 minutes to clear it. So, I, it's like, I play this and I go, how the hell did this become a series compared to freaking Yoshi and Yoshi's Cookie and Wario's Woods? Why is Dr. Mario the one that got to live? Because it's weird. Might just be Mario, honestly. Brand recognition. But the other two have Yoshi, and one of them has Toad. <laughs> it says Wario, but it's a Toad game, and he fights a mermaid. <laughs> Maybe if they put that on the box art, it might have done better. Yeah. I, be like, like, I'd love to live in a timeline where just Toad is known as this, like, Atlantean figure that <laughs> fights mermaids all the time. <laughs> just Wario's Woods, subtitle, Toad Gets Some. But yeah, Dr. Mario 64 does actually fix this because that's, I believe, the one that introduced a versus mode, wherein it adds the standard of puzzle games where it's versus where you clear the row and you do a combo and you get garbage blocks that rain down. And at that point, it's like, okay, I understand. It's now a race to see who clears the viruses first. Or if you do them all in big combo, you can end the round early by making them hit the top and game over. That I get. Dr. Mario 64, I will gladly defend as a weird-ass sequel to Wario Land 3. But the original Dr. Mario, I'm like, huh, what? Okay. Um, after that, I played Magical Drop 2. I felt weird because I beat this game in 25 minutes, and I was like, is this right? And then I looked up reviews for it, and most reviews were like, this game is great. It's a puzzle game where you don't have to think. And I went, <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? Old tiny yeah. reviews get weird like that, man. So it, it's a color matchy game. It's uh, most similar, I guess, to Bust a Move, where you have a bunch of uh, different colored balls and you have a like a little girl at the bottom and she grabs the balls and she throws the balls at the balls. And when the balls hit the colors of the other balls, and it gets three ball stack, it ends up clearing them. And sometimes there are power-ups in the balls that clear all the balls of that color, and you're just trying to get all your balls gone before the other balls get unballed. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures. It's very much an anime balls game. Yeah, very strong anime balls feelings. Very haikyuu, very free. But Why do yeah. so many of them have three eyes? I don't is know. That, is that just a thing? Or is this, what's... I don't know. It has like a tarot card theme to it. It's, I basically just beat every stage by doing basic three matches and then going, oh, I guess I cleared all of those because there was a sword inside of the yellows and that made me do big combo. And like every time that I tried to think I lost and every time that I just did basic Simon color recognition, I won. Okay. Sure. And like, I don't know. It felt okay to do that, but like, I had nothing. I had no real feeling there. So, whatever. Magical Drop 2, you can beat it in half an hour. Do it if you want to write that on your 
These are the games I beat. Look, I beat 50 games this year. This one was half an hour. (laughs) Why not? Is it better than Blue's Clues Alphabet Book? I think Blue's Clues Blue's Alphabet Book has more focused design. (laughs) (laughs) I think I could play Magical Drop 2 for longer. Like, Blue's Clues Blue's Alphabet Book is definitely better than fucking Psycho Dream. But... And then I played Kirby's Avalanche. Nice. Which is just Poyo Poyo 2. Or Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, if you prefer. And, like, I know that, obviously. And it's such a weird game. Are you familiar at all with Kirby's Avalanche? No, yeah, yeah. It's, like, so much dialogue for that just never come, came back again. Yeah. Kirby talks, and he's a shit. Because <laughs> Wispy Woods goes, please don't tread on my roots. And then Kirby steps on his root and goes, I feel like some some apple apple pie. pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the entirety of their interaction. (laughs) He looks at Paint Roller and goes, Paint Roller, you are the meanest art student I have ever met. I go, that's a really specific insult, Kirby. I am not good at Poyo Poyo. I I beat it in about an hour and a half, and it should not have taken me that long if I were any good at Poyo Poyo. I just don't think it's a puzzle game that I really can wrap my head around because... I guess the optimal play is to just go for matches of three and then try to set up matches of three on those matches of three. So eventually you get a big chain. Because mm-hmm. usually what happens is if you get a three or four chain in Poyo, you just win. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like in Tetris Attack or Pokemon Puzzle League, you can fight back for a while there. Like in a good game, I can go like seven or eight minutes in Puzzle League if like I don't instantly kill my opponent. In Poyo Poyo, no game should last more than a minute and a half at most. There's not really anything you can do, and it's all setup phase, really. It's I, I understand why it crosses over with Tetris, because Tetris is also all setup phase, so that, that works. Both of them are able to work in tandem in similar ways. But Tetris is always focused on the four match, whereas Poyo Poyo kind of branches off forever. It's... It's a weird game. It's almost entirely focused on adventure and dreamland. The one cool thing about it is that when King Dedede drags his poyos down, the entire screen shakes. And by this point, it's really fast. So like every half a second, the screen is just going boom, boom, boom when Dedede is fighting you. (laughs) And you start going, oh shit, oh shit, oh god. Shout outs to the two people who worked at Nintendo of America who do the entirety of the voice acting for this game, because I don't understand why they do the pronunciations they do, but when I hear just like, oh, it's the enemy Squishy, and they have to introduce him in one word, and they just say, Squishy. (laughs) I just roll on the floor laughing. Or whoever just decided to go, okay, it's the final boss. Gang day to day. I didn't add that inflection for no reason. That's the inflection they give. Or met tonight. I would. I you know I no I don't want to know that that that's Wispy just woods. that's just perfect. Yes. I don't understand it, and it's fine. <sighs> and then the last puzzle game I cleared was Mario Super Picross. Now I started this game at the start of the month. I was like, oh. I've never played a Picross game before. This is going to be fun. Are you familiar with Picross at all? Oh yeah, Picross is a... It's it's simple, but it's a nice time waster. Yeah. I felt really, really cozy playing it. And I look at the menu and I go, okay, 
they have four different levels, so that and there are twelve puzzles each. So that's what forty-eight puzzles. That's yeah, how math works. Yes, yes. That's twelve times four. Yeah, okay. I'm like, okay, that that's a nice set. That's a nice comfort. I beat the first level, and they unlock the Wario puzzles because the Mario puzzles are. It will tell you if you get a move wrong, but it will subtract two minutes from your timer, and you have 30 minutes total to solve the puzzle. Mm-hmm. But if you get a second one wrong, it will subtract four minutes, and then eight, and then 16, and then you're dead. Uh, with Wario, you have unlimited time, but it doesn't tell you your mistakes, so it's actual pen and paper Picross. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm like, ooh, I don't like this. I like the video gamey one. I like when Mario rubs dirt in my face and says, you suck, do it better. Wario just lets me fail. So I decide, okay, I won't do the Wario puzzles, but still, 96 puzzles, that's pretty good. So I beat those four, and then it unlocks levels five, six, and seven. Oh boy. I go, okay, okay, that's a lot. And then the Picross board expands from 10 to 15 by 15. So they become much harder and much more time-consuming. But then I get through them, and I'm like, okay, here we go. And Mario goes, congratulations, you beat level 7. Try levels 8, 9, and 10. (laughs) And all of these expand to 20 by 20s. And by this time, I am looking at my playtime, and I have gotten 1,800 minutes of playtime in Mario Super Picross. Which I believe is a 30-hour game. Uh, I, yes, yes it is. So I start sweating, and then the final puzzle is 25 by 25. And I'm going, oh shit, it takes me 29 minutes and 32 seconds to clear that puzzle. And if you fail, you just start over from the beginning. Thankfully, the game has Mm -hmm. save states, I've never used them. It also has a hint system, which subtracts 5 minutes from your total time, which I also never used. Very nice. So I confidently beat all 10 stages of Mario Super Picross, but only on the Mario side. I heard the different music, and it was great. And then it unlocked the special mode. Yes! (laughs) To put it in perspective, this is 11 sets of 12 puzzles times 2. Which is what, 264 puzzles? Oh gosh, DK math. Each of these <laughs> taking in between probably the earliest ones taking about five minutes to complete, the latest ones taking an average of 25 to 30 to complete, not counting failures. Mm-hmm. This is the longest Mario game I have ever played. <laughs> have, have you managed to beat it yet? I have four puzzles left on the Mario side. Wario, I'm still on level two. I'm not doing Wario. Fuck Wario. Because I'm, I'm just hearing that. I'm thinking it'd be a little weird from the start at 11. If you're doing, if there's 12 levels in each one, surely it's 12 by 12. Surely. Surely, uh-huh. But this one is labeled special, not level 11. So I'm really praying that they don't unlock a new world of special two. I mean, what, wait, if it's Mario, wouldn't it be just be Star? Star World? Come on. No, because no, because Special is after Star in Mario Kart. Like, oh, come okay. on, dude. Okay. Be consistent. Like, you, got, you gotta know how these things work. 
I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm you just saying be. it's going to be so funny when you got to do 144, 144, uh, 288 you... puzzles total. These little puzzles are also done. really hard because then I have to go, okay, it's six by four by one by two. Okay, let me count all of them from the bottom to the top and see which countings overlap. So I go, okay, this one, this one block is definitely part of the six chain. And I, I love Picross for that reason, just that slow, just slowly walking forward, figuring stuff out. I had the um the Pokemon one on my 3DS for a few years, and it was so nice just going, okay, I'm going to do three puzzles this morning, and that's it. And it's all the Pokemon, so that lasts like a year. So this it's is my first pit. This is my first Picross. And you just jumped into the deep end. I was not ready. <laughs> this one, it, it's for the Super Famicom. It, it's mean. And it's not even Mario things. It's like, congratulations on this picture of a horse jockey. Or this picture <laughs> of Mount Fuji. <laughs> right, at that point, there wouldn't be enough Mario things to make that many puzzles. So you guys There's not even any Mario things in this one. It's just a dog. And then Mario comes back, and for some reason, Luigi is there on the level select, but only of the easy difficulty ones. Well, yeah, that's because you only unlock Luigi after you beat all of Mario and Wario. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's the fucking Joey Wheeler campaign of this Yugi Kaiba dynamic. <laughs> so, yeah, I am over 2,100 minutes into this Picross game. It has double, it has tripled the length of time that we spent on Donkey Kong Country 3, so which funny. is my next most played Super Nintendo game. I, I just can't wait until it surpasses Xenoblade 3's playtime. Oh, it won't. It's, 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 it's some time away from that. I mean, Wario's puzzles, if it's not going to tell you. I'm not going to pl beat Wario, I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> alright, alright. But it'd be <sighs> so funny. And just the funniest thing is there are three selectable music tracks, and then I get to special, and suddenly music four unlocks. It's the most dramatic thing of, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> music two is still the best one. Oh, that's great. But I really love Picross, I've discovered. It's really fantastic. I have to find a better game in the genre so I can put it on my top 100. Because I, I, really I would enjoy recommend it. Pokemon. The Pokemon one's just delightful. Cool. I don't think it's downloadable anymore because of the 3DS oh, shop. Oh, true! But... Shit! Uh, I'm well. sure there's a, an updated version for the... Pokemon's gonna find more ways to make money. There's probably like a Gen 8 or a Gen oh, 8 yeah. or something. I mean, there's all... Exactly. But yeah, I love Picross. It's, it's, just a, it's just a cozy time. Yeah. Anyway, that was my puzzle game gauntlet because like... Yeah, also I did Panel Dupont. Guess what? I fucking rock at Pokemon Puzzle League in all of its forms, except Tarbold's slightly better than me. We did a bunch of sets, and uh, we went, I believe, 24-7. He was the okay, 24. Yeah. <laughs> With that said, he said, you are the only person who has taken games off of me in years, which I will take. And no, we had yeah. damn long matches. Like, we, we did some that went nine minutes. It is hard wow. to play a puzzle game for nine minutes. Holy shit. No, yeah, that, that, that gets adrenaline pumping. Uh, there are very slight differences in between uh, Panel Dupont and Pokemon Puzzle League, and those are the reasons I lost. Oh. Very I mean, clearly. Sound like no a John, other reason. But. <laughs> it is absolutely John's. 
However, there are very slight physics differences. <laughs> but if I was Sabrina instead of some Ojo-sama fairy girl, I would have won. I feel that. No, I see that. I, I'd, I'd probably perform better as Sabrina as well. Sabrina's so good. Sabrina's great. Like, why does she have five designs? Because she deserves it. <laughs> <sighs> all right, that's all my puzzle games. Uh, you should probably talk more. Um, uh, you got me Signals for Christmas. I did get you Signals for Christmas. I thought Signals you would like it. Signals is pretty good. I thought I'd it heard would of the be. game before, but oh my goodness. Yeah, a two-person team. Wow, really? Yeah, two-person team working out of Germany, I believe. Oh, damn, th this is... Oh my goodness. Okay, so, this is a horror game, first and foremost. Yes. And, like, most important thing with a horror game, I feel, is sound design. Like, you have to nail down that kind of atmospheric tension that just builds the horror to get the climax of whenever you see the next enemy. This game does that impeccably well. Sound design is on point. The graphics... It's a very nice, um... Uh, Clearly pixel art, but... Oh, gosh, what, what do I compare this to? It's realistic pixel art. Yeah, you can tell it's pixely, but it's got that that video game sheen on it. Right. With, like, horror-based lighting effects, and it's just... Mmm, just delicious. Inject it in my veins, please. The music isn't anything... Sp well, actually, it, it falls into that, like, kinda... Metroid-y Zerg from StarCraft thematics, where the music isn't necessarily something you'd hum, but it really adds to the tension of whatever moment. It, like, it makes you feel like you're in the atmosphere you're in. Yes. Which is a very nice, um, uh, it, it, it's a sci-fi setting. I, I can't quite describe the setting because I'm not entirely sure what's going on still. It's very much a, they just drop you in the world and you kind of have to figure out what's going on yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, very nice environmental storytelling of, like, you'll find, uh, you'll find a manual that kind of tells a bit of this lore, or... You can just get context clues of just, like, the computer's there. You can kind of get the feel of the technology of the area. It just, just drip-feeds context, and it's my favorite way of good telling storytelling through world-building. Piques your interest and keeps it that way. Uh, you play as this, I think I'm a robot? I'm 95% sure of that? With, like, these weird Fire Emblem Awakening feet, like you just got nubs <laughs> that you're walking around on? So hilarious. Uh, yes, yes, the Igus feet. And you're just trying to find your robotic co-pilot slash human counterpart slash girlfriends? I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but I'm invested regardless. I can't tell you. I just saw this game, and it was highly recommended. I went, oh, this is really Duke core. Let oh, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it, it is a uh, very top-down Resident Evil kind of deal. Very tense traversal. Ammo is limited. Enemies are plentiful. But if you're slow, they have trouble detecting you. This is a game that takes the Resident Evil liquor and says, yeah, but what if that was everybody? That causes combat to become, like, delightfully super stressful, as you're not just fighting what's in front of you, you're also alerting whatever is nearby, which is so much worse. It obviously encourages, like, really tense situations where you don't want to fight, so let's just kind of try to sneak past this little lumber... I, I don't know if there's... They're kind of zombified robots... So kind of just like, I guess, corrupted programming or something like that, but very much in a zombified way, which is, which is very neat. Maybe right. have organic management points as well. I don't know. I'm still very much in the world building process of it. Right. But it's, a, it, it's so, so delightfully tense. Also, it has the same like Resident Evil. You have very few inventory space slots, which this is the one genre where I will applaud that with because every limitation placed on it just adds... Just to the tension, like, you feel more and more and more, which just builds and builds and builds until you have that just 
oh shit, something saw me, and you're just panicking the entire way through. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah. But with zombies. Yeah, Zombola Coaster. I can't say much past that because I just haven't gotten that far into the game. Right. They're the kind of games that you can only play for so long before you're like, okay, I need to breathe. Let's walk. Let's go on a walk. Let's go outside. Get some fresh air. Yeah, I get you. But that, that, that this was a 10 out of 10 pick, man. This is just made for my interests. It's got the intriguing world building. It's got tense combat. It's, it's very GTFO. I don't know if you've seen that game. Of just, no. like, trying to sneak around, just making sure the enemies don't see you, and just, oh, shit, everything's going down. I'm dead when they do. And this is the best genre to do that with. Uh, play Signalis. I'm sure the footage right now is at least getting people intrigued. So please yes. check it out. It's small, apparently a very small development team. And yep. they made something special here. Yeah, please play it. Also, please finish Disco Elysium. Yeah, oh, that, that would have been a good, like, trade-off right there. What, what is a good... Oh, oh, oh... No, I, I, I just I, I want, want to finish Disco I just Elysium. want you to beat Disco I, Elysium. No, no, I'm, I'm with you there. It's just I, so heavy. I know, but I shouldn't have to convince you at all. I know. I feel like as soon as I finish that game, it's going to be in like a top 10 for me, but I don't want to go through the emotional scarring that I'm going to have to get to. It's okay. Just, you can play a board game with Kim. Oh, shit. Oh, you know what? That might have actually just pushed me over. <laughs> You just buy the board game, and eventually, if your stats are strong enough, you can convince him to stop doing the murder investigation and play a board game with you. And you play I, a full uh, round of that board game. I am writing on a sticky note, play board game with Kim. That, well, that will unironically probably get me to do it. That little girl who knew you were very sober, it's in her shop. Okay, okay, good to know, good to know. <laughs> I love that girl so much. <laughs> yes. I was howling laughing at that. Just deadpan. All right, tell me a joke. I know you're very sober. <laughs> 12 out of 10 writing. God, yes. Okay, but k- kind of tying with Signalis, I was initially planning on, uh, like, playing Dead Space because I've been hyped for that for ages, especially after Clistic Protocol people had kind of mid things to say about it. I was like, ah, oh, okay, but, like, this looks really good and I want to experience this again. Then out of fucking nowhere, Xbox had a direct tango came to the table and said, Hey, you know, we're the guys that made Evil Within. What if we just made something completely different? Here's this rhythm game called Hi-Fi Rush. It's a AAA title, and guess what? It's half price and out now. What the hell was that? Yeah, uh, I can't play this game because I don't have a good PC or an Xbox. But everything about this is like, oh, I'll inject this into my veins. Uh, yeah, same. This is like, okay, so just the basic sales pitch, like, what if Devil May Cry and Krypton of the Necrodancer had a baby? Which just, oh my goodness, yes, you take oh. an action game mechanics, but, like, sync it up to a rhythm so it's so much easier to do combos and parry attacks. Because, like, everything in this game is perfectly synced to the beat. Like, your attacks, enemy attacks, the environment around you, you go through, like, platforming gauntlets and you have platforms moving to the beat of the music. It oh, that's good. Some- wonderful set pieces like you'll be in like a robotic like it, everything's based on robotics in this thing so there's a lot of like assembly line deals mm-hmm. so like have crushers just slamming to the music you'll have just like little robotic arms just going it's it's oh my i i cannot praise this game enough i have not had this much fun with a game in years just the raw unadulterated fun of this you you can feel yourself playing this game Mary's visual, audio, and physical inputs all at once. You become this game. And that's not like getting that. into, like, how 
beautiful it is. It's a wonderful self-shaded art style that sometimes going to like full-on comic book of Marmarapia, just popping up as you hit enemies. Mission briefings are just very literally comics. And it looks like what I thought Borderlands did when Borderlands came out. Yeah, kind of. I can see that. Yeah. But I'm not disappointed this time. The animation is immaculate. Like it, Chai, uh, the main character Chai's idle pose is like he's he's bobbing to the beat as well. He's both snapping and tapping his foot, and it's so fluid. Like it imp- impresses me that this was released for thirty dollars because this is clearly like don't let the price tag fool you. This is a better action game than Bayonetta three, like easily. Even taking into account like the action side of things, this is this is just better. Boy, I can tell you that. But and and then the characters. Oh my gosh, Th- this is how do I put this? It's a very Scott Pilgrimy kind of tone to things, where it is very, very campy, but in an incredibly endearing way. I've only seen that one character with, like, the green dreads who does JoJo poses. Oh my god, yes. The, the introduction to that character is, like, he's doing those JoJo poses on, like, a Zoom call with all the other bosses kind of just to introduce you to the antagonist, and he's doing all those things and clearly shouting, but he's muted the entire time. <laughs> So you just have one of the other characters go like, uh, hey, Zanzo, I think you're muted here. And he just goes, oh, wait, and he just completely calms down. And is like, oh, wait, shit. As I was saying! <laughs> there is not a single... I've beaten the game at this point. All of these characters are wonderful. I don't know who voice directed this, but, like, they nailed this. Everyone is just having fun. Just, in, like, going full out with these characters. You'll have Rekka, who's just like... It, like, if Marissa put on, like, a corporate suit, like, from Street Fighter VI, mm-hmm. that, that, that's just the character. Just a big Shit. muscle woman who's just... God damn it. Damn it, now with, I like, need the man. game. No, you need this game, dude. Robbie Damon voices the main character. Shit! Fuck! You just go back to the base, and the main character, child just sit back and relax. It's like, man, I wonder when they're gonna make a movie about my story. Or wait... What if they make a video game about this story? Who would my voice actor be? And it's just Robert Damon wondering that to himself, and it's just the best thing ever. Oh my... Oh, oh no, this has all the weird things. Uh, hilarious amounts of corporate parody. Like, it, it, there, there's arrows pointing everywhere because it's a video game, and you'll find, like, these little, like, text logs of emails and stuff just to give, like, more world-building to the game, obviously. And one of them is just asking, why are there arrows pointing everywhere? Because the company patented the symbol of the arrow, of course. That is the Vandalay arrow, and you better be sure they're going to use it everywhere to show off their ownership. Oh. There is a robot psychiatric companion that constantly draws expressions on his own face so he can emote. Like, he's just deadpan the entire time, but he has a sharpie in his hand, and he just quickly wipes away to, like, showcase what he's feeling at the moment. I do love that gag. I always love that gag. There's this really funny dialogue thing I just want to highlight that. There's, there's this cutscene where a giant robot attacks you. It's, it's a super in-depth design, but it's only there for a cutscene. And after that, the psych- psychiatric companion will just talk to you and be like, You know, I feel bad for the designer of that robot. They must put a lot of work into making it, clearly intending it to be combated by you, Mr. Chai. I just, I hope we get to see that at some point again. It would have made such a good set piece. Like, the game never quite acknowledges that it's flawed. Like, yeah, this is a video game. But it gets so close. That is dancing on a particular memory of Metal Gear for me. That I'm like, oh, oh, wow. Oh, you're stimulating things. Oh, my God. Cause like, 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 you visit a museum where all the enemies are displayed. Like, it, it, you're in a corporate environment. Like, the, um, 
the main uh, corporation, Vandalay Incorporated, is trying to uh, sell people robotic cybernetic attachments. And like how it's showing off all these robots being like, oh yeah, these totally aren't designed for combat. No, no, no. Uh, this thing covered in boss f- buzz saws, it's just for trimming plants, of course. But the best thing about this museum is you can go into the back rooms and find, like, scrapped enemy designs that didn't make it into the final game. And, like, the, the main curator of the museum, like, complained about this. Like, we can't have, like, these scrapped designs around. Come on, guys, we're better than this. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it knows it's a game, almost, but, like, the fact that it knows it's a game is part of the world. The world is so gamified that it works. Like, that, this is just the world building of this game. <laughs> this is so great. This feels like what I want No More Heroes to be. Yes! That is a great way of putting it. Because, like, there's tons of mini-games throughout it, too. Like, all rhythm-based, because, of course. Like, you'll, you'll have a dance-off with one person, with what, one boss. You'll have another where you have to, like... You're playing Guitar Hero, but you are on, like, where the buttons are, and you have to dodge the buttons coming at you. Oh, Yes! Yes, that's a boss fight I'm familiar with. River City Girls is something similar. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, there is a... The Hint Robot talks like how every single person voices Spampton. It's like you'll be talking normally, but every single often you'll be like, this is how I talk now. Or just like completely changing tones for whenever something's in brackets. Like, you know how people voice that, right? Yes, I'm very familiar with how people <laughs> would voice Spampton. You would say I may be intimately familiar with how people... <laughs> Would voice number one salesman, 1997. Exactly. <laughs> Just, oh, even like the side NPCs you only talk to you like one or two times are just delightful. There's one heavily Irish robot that is so proud of the perfect stack of boxes he put up, which, of course, you promptly smash. But and you talk to him again, and he's like, it's fine. I'll always have my memory of it. It was a, it was a damn good job. I just, I, I, I can't stress enough. This game is so fun. I, I beat it, I immediately wanted to go back to it. I loved <sighs> every character, I loved every combat sequence. It's nice, cha- it's like a huge amount of challenge because you have to like play an action game to the rhythm. That alone is just, okay, can I parry things to the beat of music? Uh, God. With every day I sit here, I go, God damn it, I'm getting a Steam Deck, aren't I? If there was ever a game to do that with, this is it. <sighs> like, it, it gets insane during the later levels because... Enemies will attack to the beat, but they'll sometimes attack, like, like in double time or quadruple time or something like that. So you have to attack multiple attacks at once. You have to, be like, parry in a pattern of, like, da, 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 da. And you have to be perfect. Otherwise, you get hit. And when you actually get that down, when you memorize an enemy's pattern, and you can just, like, literally play a guitar solo on their face as you smack them around, it's the best feeling I've gotten from a video game in a long time. I honestly believe it. Like... Shit, dude. Damn it. Why can't I play it now, though? <laughs> I can play it now, but money. Just just put it on your wish list, man. Once you get around to it, you will you will have fun. Yeah. No, it it sounds it. Yeah, th- like this this legitimately might be my game of this year. I, I could Baldur's Gate that. 3 is the only thing I'm looking forward to that I'm like, you know what? That might compete. Like there is just this is everything I've wanted from, like, a Rhythm Heaven character in a Smash game, and they made an entire game around it. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. Hi, for Rush. It's fun. Sounds like it. So, before I finished, I didn't play this game this month, but I feel like it's only fair because we've been really, really mean to Xenoblade Chronicles 3, <laughs> and I just want... 
for some reason, we've been acting like its characters don't deserve to be in the top five. Like, for some reason, we've been bullying them and be spitting in their hair and stuff. You know and what's like, really funny? After all the conversations we've had about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and just the terrible pacing of it, I was, fe- I was sick one day, just feeling kind of bored. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know what? If this game's poorly paced, well, theoretically, what would happen if someone tried to get through it as fast as humanly possible? I haven't beaten it yet, but I'm at chapter four, and I'm seven <laughs> hours in. <laughs> You're seven hours... Oh, fuck you. <laughs> oh my god. So is it better paced? Uh, you know what? Kind of. <laughs> is it me? Like, just, just not doing the, uh... Com- I, I'm, I'm avoiding combat like the plague. So, you know, I'm enjoying the characters a lot more just because I don't have to hear them quip over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, no, the problem is me. Well, no, the problem is the game isn't designed for you to play it. That That is very much the game's fault. <laughs> no, no, it's skill issue. All those people who said I was bad at Barrel Drop Bounce are right. <laughs> but, like, a complete tangential, can we talk about, like, how do they not record just more basic voice line interactions in combat? Like, yeah. you'd think they do just, like, even just five between each character. It's not that hard to write quips. No, I know. And I will say that there's a tremendous amount of voice acting in this game. And you think they couldn't just put a little bit of that? Yeah, that would have really helped. The combat? Just take yeah. away two cutscenes? Yeah, but I feel instead. for every voice actor in this game's throat. A lot. Because they're really going through it. I see why you don't put... When you only put inflection in words in specific scenes, because otherwise, oh god, this would have taken 18 months for you to record. Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. But, like, I sit here with the game totally complete, and I look back on it, and I, I still look at people discussing the game, and I'm like, anyone who is mean to Manana has to take it up with me. I love Manana. Manana is precious bean. Manana does not deserve anyone's shit. Manana could have a gun to shut you up, but she has Pan instead, and she will do so with it just as effectively. I, I haven't gotten her and Riku as a companion yet, but I am legitimately looking forward to that. So I I do sit here after Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and I am thinking of my time with the game and reflecting on it, and is its pacing a huge issue for me? Yes, absolutely. That's more symptomatic of the fact that I don't like its combat at all. Mm-hmm. Like, after sitting with it for long enough, I am realizing that it is at the point where I, it is playing itself. Where I am hitting the buttons when they light up and going, ooh, the button lit up. I thought that this game would get more complex, that I would have to shift party members constantly in order to do things. I thought it would be a stressful nightmare. That is not the case. I can just hit buttons, and the rest of them will figure it out from there. I definitely get that. I've always felt like kind of Xenoblade's always been enjoyable for me, like the same way shiny hunting is. I almost don't like getting into combat with enemies. Just the kind of, okay, roam around the world, listen to some nice music, pick up shiny things, and just kind of decompress, almost. I'd almost argue that combat is what Xenoblade is worse at. Well, no, I think what's worst as item management. I have so many useless <laughs> items that I never use. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. That's very fair. Like, oh my god, what what am I even doing? What am I going for these? I, I beat the game, and I still don't know what odd pointy shard does. But I have a lot of them, and they seemed important. 
and I thought they would factor into Endgame, but I guess not. Will they factor into something in the post-game? Probably. Will I check it out? No. It's just odd, because eventually I hit a point where I was grossly overleveled, and was just like, okay, can I just look for the next zone? And the answer was no, because there's like nothing for you to do in between levels 75 and 90. Yeah, no, that's a, I think that's a problem all of them have had. You have to find very specific areas to level, mm-hmm. and then that you just kind of deal with it. And, like, there's some cool areas. Like, there was an area of giant monsters that were all in the 70s, and you get to that area presumably in your 40s. I was at about 57. But they were still really, really scary. And I had to sneak around them for a mission, and eventually I beat them up. And I was like, hey, this thing that I saw earlier, I went back and I beat it up. That's cool. Uh, I didn't do anything different. My stats were just, my numbers were just big enough to beat their numbers this time. But there was still a sense of progression with that. Eventually, I got enough things where, with like, okay, I've gotten Signifier. I've gotten the one that lets me recharge attacks faster. I need nothing else. I've solved the game. And, you know, there is something to be said about that level of experimentation. I... I kept getting new toys, and I was like, ooh, new toy. However, it got to the point where I ooh, new toyed so hard that I... I got to that point where in the fighting game, you're too good for your friends, but in a single-player game. Ah, yeah, I, I get you, I get you. And I don't know how I managed that, but I did. <laughs> and this is my first Xenoblade, and it felt weird. Which um, is odd, because, like, previous games have had enemies that you had to very specifically build around, which I guess maybe that's in, like, post-game stuff. I guess, but I played 110 hours, you could have given me one. No, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there, I'm with you there, because, like, certain bosses would, like, you need to build around poison, or you need to build around the thorns mechanic they have, and it just sounds like that's not the case? No. No, it is not. I hit the buttons, and they die, because you you played, Ouroboros is basically invincibility, and you do the big damage. Yep. Yep, you can and then just you completely combo that. nullify any bad healing plays you have. Just like, yep. nope, nope, I'm a monster now. You do healing plays? I just, it just happens automatically for well, me. Well, no, but like, it, relatively speaking to Xenia Blade. <laughs> like, oh, you took too much damage there, you can't heal it fast enough. Oops, that mistake's gone. Completely mm-hmm. nullified. But I am complaining a whole lot. And people have heard me complain. But I do want to really praise this game because it does slow burn narrative actually quite effectively i feel like its world building is absolutely fantastic it's it has something poignant to say about life death the cycle about living how you are now versus moving on from that and abandoning safety for the sake of moving forward, about the simple joys that we can take for granted being lost in an endless cycle of ourselves, about what freedoms really are, how they exist in different purposes, and every character sort of tackles that differently, learns about that differently, reflects on that differently. Thematically, it's an incredibly cohesive game, and it all comes to a head at the end of Chapter 5, I believe, which is incredible like outright that moment is utterly fantastic and that villain that villain does the pettiest shit i have ever seen a bad guy do and it is so thematically brilliant that that's like when people say like peak fiction moments no 
No, I get that. I have never seen a bigger piece of shit than that. That's really good. (laughs) And there's a montage right before that that is utterly beautiful. They actually do texture work on Noah's knuckles to show him slowly bloodying them in his attempts to break a cycle and being unable to. And you actually feel the desperation from the character. And then there's a twist and it pays off really good. Like, god damn. If you're invested in this, this is utterly fantastic. It peaks really hard there. I don't think the rest of the game quite lives up to it. But damn. Damn that moment. I can't give anything but praise. I think that's kind of a case with every Xenoblade game. That I don't know if, like... In, in terms of the whole story, there's very few individual moments that I feel like... Like, the writing's just fine, I feel, for the most part. But the overall theme and world-building of the games is always fantastic, and there's always just a couple of gems that just blow everything else out of the water. So when, any, when you get to the end of the story and you're looking back, those shine the brightest and you get a really good sense of just... Like, I, it never surprises me when people say that they love the stories of these games, because they are, like perfectly designed to give you the best impression of looking back on them, if that makes any sense. No, because I didn't like the final boss. Well, that's unfortunate, because I think the last two were pretty good. Uh, it, Without spoilers, can you, like, say why? I put down the controller to see if I could beat him by putting down the controller, and I did. <laughs> okay, but is that the writing, or is that just because... You were grossly overleveled. Um, that's... I was, like, five levels overleveled. Oh, shit. For that. Because I decided to just let it keep up and not use any bonus experience. If I did use bonus experience, I would be, like, level 94. (laughs) I will say for the bonus experience, I have been using that to keep up with just my aversion to combat. So that is what it's designed for. That's probably the best way to play the game. Yeah, that kind of took it out because the character is so grandiose and over the top and I can't connect at you at all because I'm literally not playing the game. (laughs) (laughs) And that kind of undermines how great this moment is because it's building really well. It's a really strong crescendo and I'm winning by doing, I'm I'm Luigiing it. Luigi beats Xenoblade 3. (laughs) But (sighs) I truly do believe that media consumption is a matter of forgiveness. That when you see and feel something that is so much greater, that means so much to you, that you are willing to forgive flaws in something or look for the bright sides in something. And I do this all the time. I do this with Persona. I do this with Banjo. I do this with Kirby. Anytime that something is less then optimal, I will downplay it in my mind because of all of the good here. And what is here in Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is utterly fantastic. This is a ton of good. It is not the exact kind of good I am looking for, because I debated for quite a while after finishing this game, is this game in my top 100? Because there's some absolute gems here that I will remember and I will take with me. But ultimately, I did settle on no, it is not, because the ultimate experience of that, while those things were great, I have 
all of this weighing me down, and that grate does come to the surface above all of this weight, does come to the surface above all of these issues, and I did have some fun with the gameplay. As soon as I unlocked Triton and was like, oh, now there is a blue mage here, I was like, oh, I can actually have fun with the combat again. And then I did it enough, and I realized, oh, I've optimized a good build for Triton. I no longer have to have fun with the combat. I won, again. <laughs> that does exist. That does not weigh the experience down, but it gives it a ceiling where I am noticing those flaws because of their prevalence. Yeah, it's especially bad when you can like see them and almost imagine like how they could be better. Like I'll, I'll I'll excuse a lot in games if I can feel like oh that's that's just how this is like you can't do much more of this but with Xenoblade I can especially with the progression from what you've been describing the fact that I can go through the game and ignore most of it and it feels like that's how it's designed to be played like I I feel like maybe I'm off base here but I feel like if enemies were providing a consistent challenge that you had to build around mm-hmm. like you would have been engaged more and had a more positive experience with the gameplay yeah. But I want to say, for everyone who loves this game, for everyone who loves this series, I understand. And I am not saying that you should listen to these sections and consider it us telling you that you are wrong. Because you are not wrong. These are great, great games. They are not great games for me. Mm. It is not necessarily an issue with me. It is just that I am not the type of person who can ignore these specific flaws as they are presented. And any media can have that. I love JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and that has flaws up the shitter everywhere with its pacing and just general ideas. I don't know why people like Part 3 so much. Part 3 isn't that great, except at the end. Well, I didn't, I didn't leave the strongest impression. It's what you remember. Yeah. Dio's such a fucking good villain. Anyway, yeah, I just I just want to come off of this saying that I am remembering my experience with Xenoblade Chronicles 3 positively. As you've heard last month, I freaking love Ashera. I really love Uni as well. There are characters I really like. I like Tyon, I like Triton, I like Lance. Oh, I, I, Lance is my favorite right now. Lance is a good guy. I, I, I just... I worked on a military base for a few years. I've 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 met so many lances. It's like, I oh, get I you. get you perfectly. Let's be friends. Yep, that's completely understandable. Gondor's a bit much for me, but I do like her ultimately. Her name is Gondor, so I'm already a fan. Sigiri was fun. I like the idea of Grey. I like the dynamics between Senna and Lands. I, I do I feel like, like that that's one hundred percent going to be the Ouroboros that you just can't really read romantically, which annoys me so much because I feel like that would be by far the most fun mm-hmm. of the three pairs. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, you're so so wrong that Uni and Tyon are shipped together. You're so wrong. nah, man. After I saw Justin's comment about like, oh, she, he's the fourth best because she loves clover. With the clover, like, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, you're, no. Sorry, no, you're wrong. No, 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 that, death that, promise. That's perfect. Death that's, promise. That's so perfect. No, he doesn't get it. He'll never get it. It's going to be Xenoblade 4, and you're just going to have children of the last characters. You, you no, no, you that's the... No, we're going to have this big chart, and then... And then Tyon is going to be right here in the friend zone. It's going to be a little AoE circle that Uni casts, and only he's in it. Come on now, we know that Xenoblade characters just will refuse... 
I've played this now. They will not stay in those damn circles. Got the blood pumping at least. Uh, I, I can actually just, it's completely tangential, but I can actually praise a few things about this knowing the previous two games, just some really baseline oh, oh. stuff. Oh yeah, please do. I think it's legitimately really, really cool how how the characters play compared to each other is essentially Xenoblade 1 versus Xenoblade 2 down to the gameplay. Like the, the arts recharging manually versus doing it through audio attacks, that's literally 1 versus 2 there. The, the weapons they use is literally 1 versus 2. The designs of their, uh, like mechs and stuff, the designs of their, like, settlements. It's all one versus two. I, I, that's just neat. I love that from a world-building perspective. Yes. Also love how... It, yeah, it makes sense. It's weird. I'm I'm getting genuinely nostalgic, not necessarily for the characters or story, but for the world itself. Like, seeing walkers that are clearly just mech on, seeing architecture that's clearly evolved from Bionis, seeing bits and pieces of the older world. Like, hey, I... I I've seen that column. That was from that was from Gower Plains. Yeah, no, I I got that as soon as I saw the big monkey in the field. I'm like, I've never played this, but I know this big monkey was in a field once. It's a very. I'm glad they recognized what they were doing right, like doing the, well, not even right, just doing the best, and like tried to capitalize it by bringing the two worlds together. And I'm sure that pays off story wise as well. I know enough about the end game that they do do that. Yes. It's just like it's it's a neat bit of a neat bit of nostalgia that I've not necessarily felt before from a piece of media, and I wanted to highlight that. Yeah, not necessarily a praise, but I love how they walk in cutscenes so much. <laughs> like yeah. that, I am human. I walk like real human do. What do you think, Noah? Right. So, and they're like overly swinging their shoulders. It feels like they took the walking animation for lands and just copy pasted it on everybody else. Yes. It's so funny, like, Xenoblade goes hard in so many areas of their game design, and in others, it just kind of feels like, we just throw something on there, just a one layer of paint, that's probably enough for now. Yeah. It's endearing. Like, I'm not meaning this as a uh, slight against it, I just think it's really funny. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if anyone is tired of me saying Xenoblade 3 again, especially how much Xenoblade this podcast has given, but I wanted to create some level of closure. If if not for anyone else, then for myself, just to get the finalized thoughts out there. Yeah. Oh no, I'm going to ruin the closure completely. I'm I'm going to finish this. <laughs> oh sweet. Uh, that's that's all I wanted. Uh, anyway, uh, talk about God of War now. Yes. Okay. I finally finally. Okay. Okay. Bit of background about how we I play these games before starting. I am actually myself playing very little of the game. Because when the first one came out, it was when both me and my brother were still living together. And I was like, you know what? You're better at action games. Why don't you take the controller? And I'll just kind of watch and give guidance. He loves to play things at the highest difficulty because he's an insane maniac. Right. And he has, he has the reaction time to do it. But I'm better at like reading the audio cues and be like, okay, this monster just roared. He's going to do the tail slam now. So it kind of creates a really fun co-pilot experience. Where we're both playing the game at the same time. And it lets us tackle the higher difficulties. So just just keep in mind that all of this is being done as a brotherly experience, which really highlights the entire story. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a pretty freaking good game to do this with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start here because it was a comment you made last time that I think was fascinating, but I think I disagree with. This okay. game definitely has shades of like a walk and talk simulator because like mm-hmm. you are just kind of going through stretches. It's like you're kind of just climbing right now, and people are talking with each other. But I think I disagree with the uh, 
kind of the almost general viewpoint on just like the circles I'm in, that it's more cinematic than game, because I don't think this sort of dialogue works in any other medium. Like, I don't see a, a movie or a book or a TV show wasting this much screen time on characters just having random conversations while traveling. Like, the sheer amount of world building this game does through just hopping in a boat, and Mimir's like, okay, let me tell you a story here real quick. Like, there, there must be, like, hundreds of those. I think we've played the game for, uh, maybe 40 hours now? Something like that? And it feels like we've only scratched the surface of the dialogue. There's always something more to be done, more stories to tell. Mm, I can't agree with that. Telling a story related to the current story, that's that's just cinematography. That's that's just that's the dark night. I don't think I mean it's any other it's medium expanded, can get away obviously with doing the this of much it, of it. I understand the amount of it is expanded due to it being a game and having the ability to essentially get away with it. However, I will disagree to it not being a cinematic technique. No, no, it is. I feel that adds to the cinematic quality. I'm not saying that it's necessarily... I'm saying this more as a counter that's saying that this is not a gamey game. Because I don't think this could work in anything else but a game. With a camera never cutting away from the story the way it does, having to fill every moment with some kind of dialogue to make these characters' lives feel natural and succeeding at that? Maybe you could make some weird movie where just a character goes, goes about his daily life, but... To do this two games in a row is, to me, one of the most impressive feats of video game storytelling I've seen. Like, I can't imagine the amount of hurdles trying to think of, okay, what kind of natural conversation would they have in this moment? Hmm. I understand that. I still feel, I feel like the way that it is going about it is still rooted in cinematic techniques, so to speak. I would agree with that. I, 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 I meant it more as a, uh, a counterpoint to uh, kind of The Last of Us, kind of what's our with there, just like the games are becoming movies right now. And I just wanted to throw food for thought out there that, like, this wouldn't really be a movie. Although, to be fair, The Last of Us TV show is kind of just telling the story better than what the game did. Well, yeah, because it doesn't There are have definitely to... moments in this game where you're like, no, I don't want to, I, don't make me fight things, I want to get more of the story. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that that's the issue. The, the Last of Us show doesn't have to worry about every eight minutes there needing to be a full-out firefight, or else you lose the player. There, there are just different ways of doing it. God of War is, I would say, allowed to be continuous because every so often you do have to do the fighty fight. It would not be continuous because they would cut out that bit in a TV show, where it's like, and then they fought for two hours to get to the other side of the plane. For sure, for sure. I almost wish they made more cinematic fights in it. Like, like maybe swap things up a bit to make more, like, I can't believe I'm advocating for quick time events, but just to kind of swap what you're doing. It would be nostalgic for original God of War that way. That would be a callback. I, I, I'm just genuinely impressed by how, uh, how, how much they covered all their bases with the dialogue in this game. Like, I feel like I understand who these characters are more so than almost any other game I've played. Just because of how the, the sheer amount of just different character discussions, conflicts, arguments, agreements. I really love all these people. And I can't say that about many games. I do think it's a very interesting, uh, just, because I'm, I'm not like fully on the side of this, to be clear. Like, there's definitely times in God of War where I'm just like, oh my god, Angerboda and Atreus, just get back to the lodge already. We don't need to keep doing this. You've got me invested already. This is enough. But I do also think the added time spent with them 
deepens the relationship between the two of them. It's an interesting give and take. I can see that, definitely. I think you are the kind of person that benefits the most from that kind of storytelling. Like, Probably. just the way no, that no, you No, absolutely, it. absolutely. I, if I love a character, I just want more and more and more of the character. Just what I was saying with, like, different levels of forgiveness with that. No, 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 this is telling it the way that you like it, so. For sure, for sure. I, I'm just saying, I, I don't want my burger well done, please. <laughs> and you're like, oh boy, I love this flavorless burger. And all uh, power fla- to you. Okay. I'm not saying- Flavorless, d- d- come up with a different verb, is all I'm asking. It's got oh, too boy, much stuff on it. I love this charred husk of a burger. All right, now you've gone too far on the other. You go. You're getting worse now. Oh boy, I love this abomination of a burger. Uh, you know what? I'll take that. If you put too many things on it, that it's like lost its meaning to. It. I could see that, but like, it's just five stacks of bacon, man. I, you can't go wrong with bacon. But yeah, but you're doing it to hide the fact that you fucked the meat. <laughs> there are weird juices that shouldn't be on the burger on this meat. And that's called cinematography. I feel like I'm trying to... I'm arguing the <laughs> no, I'm, burger I'm, metaphor than I am the actual No, I, I, I'm, I'm teasing. You need to move on, or I'm going to keep going. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, to, to praise the actual story for a moment here, th- this is... I, I still haven't actually beaten it. <laughs> so, I feel like I'm close, but I still haven't gotten there. Th- this is a wonderful story about just father and son, Atreus trying to find his footing in the world, and Kratos trying to help him avoid the same mistakes that he made in the past, and both of them kind of realizing that they need to listen to each other. Like, they both need each other to prevent them their more toxic elements of their personality from coming forward. Oh, it's like, a Goofy movie! You know what? I love that comparison. It is a it is Goofy movie. I'm so happy! I've ruined this game! Oh no! How dare you disrespect Goofy Movie? I am not! This game will never be as good as a Goofy Movie. Just as soon as you were saying that, I was thinking, If we listen to each other's hearts. And I'm like, what's that from? Goofy Movie. Got it. I I think maybe halfway or a third, I'm not quite sure at this point. Atreus leaves everybody because, I I think I covered this last time, because he knows that Kratos is prophesied to die. Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta find a way to fix this. They won't let me, I gotta leave. I gotta go find Odin. Right, yes. And he, and, he, and he spends quite a bit of time with Odin, just living with the enemy. Which, holy shit, they do that in such a good way. Like, your your first encounter with Thor, he's just he's just the big brute, Odin's bodyguard. Like, it's, oh, this guy just loves to fight, and that's it. But as Atreus is living in Asgard, he can just, like, listen to the doors of, like, your enemies and kind of just learn more about them when not in conflict with them. Mm-hmm. And you find out that Thor is kind of surprisingly wholesome with his family. Oh, like holy shit! I should have brought Thor last time. This this guy is like um Sif, his wife, will actively scold him for like, why don't you stand up to your father Odin more? Like, come on, man, you gotta set a better example for your daughter. And he'll just upright agree, like, you know what? You're right. I I really am setting a bad example. I really need to be better. And when you go on an adventure with Thor, just as he's kind of being your companion. Mm-hmm. You go to the um the fire plane where in the original God of War there are like all these challenges you could do as like a bit of a mini game just like get better at combat, and right. the entire time Atreus is just nagging him, being like, "Come on, man, you should try it out. It'd be so fun. You could you could take your daughter to do it, and she'd love it too." And Thor finally relents, and he comes back and he's like, "You know what? That was really fun. 
I think I will take my daughter to do that. And it's like you would never expect that from that character, but it gives him so much dimension, and I love him. Good. It's so good. It's great to hear. Atreus spends a little more time there, and Odin's trying to like, hey, help me out with this greater cosmology thing. We gotta, we gotta find the rest of the pieces of this so we can figure out why we're here. He ends up going to the uh, Helheim and releasing Garm. Do you know Garm in Norse mythology? Uh, refresh me. Uh, ending wolf. And yes. it kind of gets confused with Fenrir a lot. It, yeah, it, no, some myths yeah, kind of the, the, the other the wolf. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, but like, ends up releasing him in his attempts to try to help him. Odin doesn't freak out at even now. He's like, you know what, man? We all make mistakes. Sure, there's an interdimensional wolf tearing apart the realms right now, but like, we'll get through this together. I love how much of a slimy get Odin. He is, he is so good at manipulating people. He's such a good villain. And he even lets Atreus go back to his family, like, you know what? You seem like you need to have some time to, like, mull things over. I'll let you go back. No worries. Just give me back the mask you're working on. Like, when you're ready, you can come back to me and we'll get through this. Okay, man? And at the same time, you're sometimes coming back to Kratos and he's, like, legitimately depressed and feeling hopeless about, I can't save my son. Like, he goes to find out a prophecy and he finds out that Atreus is prophesied to be killed by Heimdall. And it's just like, you see Kratos' lip quiver. Just, like, dropping the blades, putting the axe down, just... hands on his forehead on the bed and it's like i can't handle depressed kratos it's to see a character that stoic like th- this game really just pulled up my heartstrings because after that you get to the, the heart to heart when they finally reunite with each other first it's just a hug like they've seen like they're afraid like oh are we mad at each other and it's just like oh keep bringing in big guy oh they kind of have a heart attack kratos acknowledges that he's kind of slipping into his violent greek habits without him and atreus acknowledging that he's been reckless out of his father both promising that they'll keep each other's voice within their heads to prevent doing bad things, and then they hug, and I felt emotions, and just... Ah! That's good. That's... Uh, I don't have snarky commentary for that. That's just seeing performances evolve, and having that separation and that coming together again is just... That's that's wonderful. Yeah, they're... I, I feel like they had a really solid... Uh, vision for what they wanted this like Norse chapter of Kratos' story to like it, it, it's a father-son dynamic obviously like they, they had a very clear vision of the beats they wanted to land and they've landed every single one the, thus far I feel like I've got like maybe a quarter of the game to get through everything feels great right now which means that something is about to go very wrong I'm sure oh, yeah. like for what it is right now like I am it's been it's been a genuinely heartwarming story and not even just between um Kratos and Atreus, like, every character is getting a bit of time to shine. Like, um, the two dwarves that are your companions in this game, mm-hmm. um, uh, with Atreus being essentially alone with his father, the, he, he developed a, a friendship with, um, the, the clean freak one of them. And you get a very nice dynamic where these are really their only friends. And as Atreus is starting to slip away, it, um, Sindri is just freaking out, being like, no, man, I thought we were friends. Come on, we gotta get back in through this. Like, we're, we're partners, right? And you get a nice dynamic of them... Just slowly drifting apart, breaking away when Atreus runs away, and slowly reconciling. That's really nice. Um, uh, you find out that Brock has a bit of an inferiority complex. You might meet one of his idols, and she can't even see him because apparently part of his soul is missing. I'm wondering if that's oh, going to be resolved. Okay. Yeah, just, just as just as you do. He's he's all depressed because like, oh, I wanted to, I I, I wanted her to just recognize my talents or something like that. Like, I've been waiting for this moment to meet her all my life, and she didn't even see me. The simp smith lusts further. I, ironically, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but Kratos is, acknowledges, like, and you know what? 
She made me this awesome weapon. I feel like this needs to be blessed by somebody. A master smith, and you are worthy of doing that. And just builds him back up when it's worst moments, and it's Kratos doing that? Oh my gosh, she touched this? Wait, wait, which, by the way, they forge him a spear. He gets, he gets dropped near in this game. He gets to go full Spartan, and it's so cool. Oh, oh, that's good. Like, good. you will, like, it's Kratos, you'll stab someone through with a spear, and then twist the spear and just slice him in half, and it's just, oh, it's such a power trip. Ooh. <sighs> I, I, I'm bouncing around my notes a lot. Like, what else can I... Uh, Angerboda is wonderful. She is a paint mancer? Okay. I think that's the only way I can describe it. She literally fights with paint, and it's awesome. Oh, Adeline, okay. Uh, not, not quite that. It's, it's more with the actual paint rather than bringing things to life with it. But it's just colors everywhere. Ooh, okay. I, I hope they continue her, and her story with Atreus moving forward. Like, maybe go to Egypt with both of them for some reason. I don't know. Maybe Kratos dies in this. I'm still not quite sure. I feel like it's a genuine possibility, but I can also see how they could get around it. We shall see. Um, I, I love knowing mythology playing this game. Like, it, kind of the same deal with Hades, or just with Norse instead. Oh, yeah, I could only imagine so. Like, seeing Nidhogg just in the distance being like, oh, shit, I know what that is. And then later in the game, having it attack you going through a boss fight with it, and it's, like, tearing the realms apart, and, like, it'll stab its tail through a portal, and the, another portal will open up behind you, and the tail will come through that. It's such a cool fight. But knowing the entire time you're fighting it, just, oh, shit, I can't kill this thing, because I know what will happen. Like, that's supposed to be there. That's gnawing on the roots. You can't let the roots... And then you do kill it, and you're just like, oh, shit! Well, that's Ragnarok. Okay, well... This, this can't possibly have any horrible consequences. This is the, the, what's the title of the game again? Oh, shit, right, yeah, 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 okay, well, we're in trouble. That's me, I did that. Hey, hey, Atreus, look at us, look at what we did. This, this truly is the God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just knowing the name Dropnir, and just having that moment with my brother, like, oh shit, that's a spear, we're gonna get a spear, we're gonna get a spear, dude, we're full in Spartan. Seeing the colossal wolf and realizing, oh shit, that's Garm? And, like, the, the size of this wolf, like, this is God of War wolf. You could probably fit, like, five Kratoses in its mouth. And you, and you, when you're first introduced with it, you just see, like, you're going upstairs and you see a pile of fur. You just keep climbing, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You start to hear it, and you just, oh, my God, this game does set pieces so well. I'm sorry, every time now, I'm just imagining this, but it's goofy. <laughs> I mean, would you not want to play? I absolutely Ragnarok? would want to play. Okay, if, if there's anyone who can mod this game, just replace Kratos with Goofy and lines from the Goofy movie. <laughs> I know there are not enough lines. Reuse them. I don't care. You can probably go through Goof Troop and get enough. But yeah, this has been a gen. If if this game lands the ending, I think it might have been my favorite game from last year. Like, I love Kirby, but this game is actually, like, making me, like, pause and reflect on, like, my reflect my relationships with my brother and with my father and just... That's understandable. No chance in hell for me, but, like... Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm not, not, I'm not, not, I'm not saying... Is... I am not looking for validation. I don't care. Okay. I don't need people to validate my interests. Don't we worry. No, 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 you were looking for it, and I needed to say no. I thought I felt it was important. <laughs> That there's oh wait no one more thing one more thing this this is a super small thing but I think it's hilarious okay um there's a character in this game called Ratatosker um it's the squirrel 
uh, kind of a caretaker of the world tree. D- does he also live in a chef's hat and control him? <laughs> That's a rat. Because uh, I only heard his name was Ratatouille. So when you first meet him, he's like, I have to take care of the tree at various points, but if you ever want to talk to me, just hit these chimes and I'll come running. Logically, the first thing we do is hit the chimes when he's right there. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, uh, yes, that is that is what it will do. Yes, I, I am here, though, now, so I can talk to you here. And you just keep hitting the chimes, and there are, like, 20 sets of dialogue. It's just going like, you know, yes, uh, uh, Kratos, are you, do you just like the sound of the chimes? Well, I, I, I guess they are quite cheerful. Uh, you, you keep hitting that, sir. I will point out that I am right next to these things, and from this distance, it is, it is quite painful. Kratos, this seems very uncharacteristic of you. Like, please stop. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I see what you're doing here. You're trying to uh, provoke a a uh, violent outburst out of me. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Kratos. You don't get that from me. Then the very next one. Stop it with the fucking chimes! <laughs> oh. Ah, uh, there's so much dialogue in this game, and most of it is excellent. Good. I mean, it sounds it. But yeah. I will I'll probably have closing thoughts next time, but I feel like I've done enough here. It, it, yes. it is a good game. There is a reason it got so many awards. Yeah, I believe it. But, but, the, but the head says you're on fire too often. Bad game. That is true. It's, it, is, it is legitimately hilarious, just like going through the entire game, having so much variety. Uh-huh. But that one voice line, it's like, you know what? We only need one of these. It's just like, for some... For that one moment, it becomes Xenoblade, and I just don't understand why. You were great, Kratos! <laughs> I am the god with the gall. You hear that, Mimir? Kratos wants something a bit meatier. Apart from that, though, the dialogue's pretty great. And 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 the character is solving puzzles for you. Like, it, it hasn't been that much of a problem for me, but I, it is dumb that that is there. I, I wish there was an option to turn it... You know what? There might be an option to turn that off, and I just can't find it. This game has so many accessibility options that they are flat-out inaccessible. Well, you know, it was specifically at a GDC talk, they were discussing, oh, you need to create uh, hints for the player so they don't get invested, or they don't lose interest or wonder what they're doing. And the specific example they used was DSP. So that is the basis for how long they think you need before you need a hint. Uh, I, 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 uh, make it, make it like a toggle. Uh, Do the Metroid Prime thing where you kind of just measure how long a player is taking. And if it's taking too long, be like, okay, no, here's, here's a little thing. Just like, okay, let's like, a little shelf. Just like, oh, maybe, maybe there's something over here. Maybe we did a little scanning of this area, but like. Five seconds is a bit short. No, you'll lose your interest. Clearly, like there's there's already so many like gorgeous worlds and like, like you can sometimes they'll sometimes say things when you're not even finished like breaking the breakable vases and stuff. No, they're they're worried because like in the back of their mind they're like you're invested, brother. It'll pass. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But at least it's accessible, so I guess there's that. Yeah. Anybody, any IQ can play this game. I doubt that. <laughs> I don't know, man. The lower difficulties, it essentially plays itself. Oh, like Xenoblade. 
Yeah, right, right. Baseline Xenoblade is the lowest difficulty you've got a floor, right? <laughs> <sighs> uh, I'm sorry, Xenoblade fans. I swear we're not bullying you on purpose. It's, it, 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 it's just kind of fun. I put the controller down and I beat the final boss. What can I say? <laughs> ah, future uh, sight. Future sight. All right. Dokapon Kingdom Connect releases this spring for the Switch. Is that only in Japan? No, I heard it, yes! it was originally okay. going to be announced just for Japan, but then like three days later, we got the announcement that no, it's being localized. Good, good. That is a that is a painfully long but very fun part of the game. Yeah, it is a remake of the Wii game, but with online play. So nice. Okay. For those of you unfamiliar, uh, the back of the box proudly proclaims that it is the friendship ender. Oh, it is that, if that, Mario Party leaned into being mean. You can beat people in rock, paper, scissors, and instead of taking their stuff, you can just rename them to whatever you want. <laughs> it is the most toxic shit it can take. It's a full RPG campaign as a board game. Like, it just is as an brilliant. example to throw out. Like, if we played it, I could totally just name you Tyon X Uni, and you can do a damn thing about it. Exactly! 100%. If I could name you Jay you. Roiland, and you would have to do a stupid voice the entire time, <laughs> and be oh very God. awkward. <laughs> and then every time a child character came up, we would go, No! Can we play this at some point, please? <laughs> This sounds fun. I don't know if I can do it with more than one group. I have to debate what group I do it with. That's 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 fair. No worries. No worries. <sighs> uh, Square shuts down services for Marvel's Avengers. This is after they have shut down services for Babylon's Fall, Chocobo GP, Bravely Default Mobile, and Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier. That is just like I, I I'm not surprised. I named I'm, I'm those all because that's... those are all about a year to less than a year each of service. I, I I don't quite understand this new marketing strategy of Square, but I, I I would love to see the data that makes them think that this won't have pushback in the future. There won't be consequences to this because like why are people going to play any of their live services moving forward if it's just going to die in? I honestly year. have to wonder if it's investors going, what if we do live service games and then Square putting them out and going here? See? Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> anyway, 14's still making money. That's true. That's true. They're, they're just trying to... Now, th you know what? That's probably what it is. There's a head honcho up there just looking at 14 and be like, why isn't this number as big as this one? Scrap it. Do another one. Come on. And the people are just going, okay, okay, okay. Let's just keep Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy 16 safe. Oh, the joys of... Joys of corporate bullshit. Gotta love yeah. it. Uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus Rising, which adds new moves, new characters, and Robot Netcode. This is, this is, um, Arc System again, right? Yes. How do they do everything? They're just, just good. How? It's what they specialized in, and now they're actually getting IPs. 
Because, like, you think about before, they were still at least putting out uh, Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear and the Persona Arena games. Like, yeah, but they're, they're just, like, perfect isn't enough. They gotta be like, no, we can do this better. Yeah, so the last holdout, except, I guess, Tekken, is now crumbling. Like, we've hit it. We've hit the rollback nirvana. Also, apparently, there's a Fall Guys mode in the lobbies when you're waiting for games. What? <laughs> I know nothing past that, but if you enjoy Fall Guys and Grand Blue Fantasy, oh boy, is there a surprise for you. <laughs> sure, why not? Yo, there's quite a few of those games that would just make excellent lobby time wasters. Yes. that there, There's an idea there. People need to jump on that. But nice! Cool! Uh, despite everything, Overwatch 2 was still shut down in China. I... I, I, I it's, it's just that feeling of, like, seeing a clown car... And just wondering, how are there still more people in there? Okay, how... but do you want to know how funny those exploding clowns are? No, they're amazing, but like... No, it, it's even funnier than you think. Because this isn't just Overwatch 2. Overwatch is, 2 is the big name. Is it just Battlenet in general? It's everything. It's Diablo. It's WoW. WoW! After so much, just after everything they did... Yeah, they're still essentially they have to go through a partner there called NetEase, and apparently talks broke down between them, so they just have nothing right now in China, and are looking for a new partner. So what NetEase did was they started a live stream, and they got all of their Blizzard merchandise, including thousand dollar statues, and broke them with sledgehammers. <laughs> That is some, that is some petty ass shit right there. While handing out green tea smoothies to their employees, which green tea being a symbol for someone who is duplicitous or two-faced. Wow. Have you ever seen a bridge burn more beautifully? I mean, to be perfectly honest, it, it's an odd comparison where I'm watching the bridge burn. I'm seeing it burn both sides. And I'm like, you know what? This just kind of feels good. This Everyone's, is a good thing. Because, like, Nettie's honestly kind of sucks, too. I've heard stories, but, like... Yeah, yeah. Just being like, okay. At, at, surely at some point of all this, like, investors have enough power to just be like, okay, just oust everyone at the top. Like, right? That's gotta happen at some point. You just, you just lost your biggest moneymaker. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, in lighter news, the world agrees that Hutao from Genshin Impact should never rap again. I- what? But I can see you typing, please give me context, thank you. Uh, yeah, anyway, there's that in different languages. Feel free to skip to 20 minutes for the best rapping you'll ever hear. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that is some- that that is uh that is some white woman savior complex TikTok shit right there. Good grief! That I I feel bad having seen that. Jesus! You know, maybe one day I'll play Genshin. Maybe one day. Whew. It's okay. Just breathe. I I just am kind. That was such a disaster that I am kind of glad it exists. <laughs> Right, like that. That go, That that's just shot so far off into the just awfulness. That kind of came around the other side, but like, <laughs> I'm not gonna get that out of my head for a while.
Oh, no. <sighs> oh, yes. Uh, just another mention that Hi-Fi Rush was out immediately for 30 bucks. Please sell. I would love for that to just become an industry norm. Like, imagine how exciting just any conference is being like, okay, when, are, are they just going to drop a new Rhythm Heaven game on us? Is that just going to happen? I would, please, please. Kirby Party, out now, 30 bucks. Well, that's what, like, a lot of fighting game character announcements are. Like, Bridget was, and she's out tomorrow! Admittedly, that was also what the Sega Saturn was. That went well. <laughs> True. I guess with fighting game characters, it's easier when you have an established audience that you know is going to celebrate it. Yes. But just, just the balls of being like, okay, this is a new IP, completely original idea, out now. Well, we'll half price it just to make sure it gets your intention. And for it to be amazing? Yes. No, this I, is a I, totally I have, different beast. I have so much respect for Tango Works now. I haven't played Evil Within, so I'm just not that familiar. But now, I, whatever they make next, I am all, all ears. Uh, Evil Within 2 has the best fourth wall break in games. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay, let me get that for you immediately. Please do. I, I forgot to mention this during Hi-Fi Rush, but there's characters from Evil Within that have been repurposed as the HR of the company of Hi-Fi mm -hmm. Rush. And it, it's... It, imagine... Imagine Looker was a robot. It's it's that same design, but just talking about... It's Evil Within... <laughs> fucking hell. What please. The? Please enjoy. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw the caption of the video. Okay. He's in the middle of some serious shit right now. Need some help. No, he said no. Oh no. It took him so long to get back here. Could have called. Is he coming? I don't know. It's evil out there. <laughs> but there's evil within too. <laughs> and they both look at the camera. Yes! Yes! There it is! <laughs> and it's just and he's completely like over to conversing! I only remember that and a sexy evil photographer. But God. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. That for I'll remember that. forever. Uh, Duke has more Age of Empires news. Oh, right. Yay. I love talking about this series. Uh, you know how RTSs play, right? Yes. You need like a lot of buttons and hotkeys and stuff. Like you really can't do that without a, a keyboard. No, I play Pokemon Unite. That's not even that. That that's a MOBA. That's like an RTS with one person. Oh, that was that was that was offensive. Right now, that I was a pick, slur. I played that, Pikmin. That, that was a video game slur right there. <laughs> Disregarding that blasphemy, you know, Pikmin. Age of Empires Two is on Xbox now. It's on console and it works. They did this weird thing. Where they, um, like, they tied all of the, uh, like, various hotkeys, it, he's into, like, radial menus. Mm-hmm. So, like, Im imagine the, like, the item selected Twilight Princess, but you just hold in that direction. That's if you, that's terms if you research armor upgrades, research weapon upgrades, grab your villagers, grab your military. I don't, it, I just wanted to highlight it because it's one of the most impressive game design feats I've ever seen. Like, that shouldn't be possible, but it works, and that's... They've been trying for, like, 
years, but hey, they succeeded. Nice. Uh, if I had a nickel for every time someone posted classified military documents on the War Thunder forums to win an argument online, I'd have two nickels. I've heard this story, and that is... <laughs> um, that's actually a lie. This is only the second time that I've heard of it. I believe that there are 17 different incidents related to War Thunder. <laughs> about leaking have a classified military. Yeah! Wow! Yeah, I... playing War Th Thunder may be a war crime. Who knows? <laughs> Those poor, poor devs. How, how do you even combat that? Um, I... well, I'm sure that the military is now glad to know. Okay, not these people. Let's just get banned on, like, They Air will Force leak wifis. documents over a video game. <laughs> you know, they're gonna ban video games in the military, and that's, that's, that's gonna be what collapses the U.S. military. Nothing else, just that. Can you imagine if, like, Death Battle had people arguing? No, Solid Snake could never beat Sam Fisher if you'll observe this vehicle, which I have personally piloted. Based on these classified secrets of how the FBI operates with their spy operatives, you can see clearly here that this is not the strategy that they would use. <laughs> I, I would love it if they just embraced it and started leaking, like, fake classified documents. Just kind of throw things off for a bit. But then you're obfuscating information? I, I guess... Is that counterintelligence? I don't know. I'm gonna need a little, a little subsection of the Geneva Convention for something like this. How, how, do, how do we handle video games into our military tactics? I don't know. Oh gosh, is this the final form of all those America's Army recruitment videos? <laughs> it might be. Anyway. Not talking about the U.S. military. Uh, after 20 years, Kadabra will be added back to the Pokemon trading card game. Why was it so long? Uh, because Yuri Geller, was, uh, who is that psychic who is famous for bending spoons with his mind. Oh. Um, in Japan, Kadabra's name is Yuri Geller or something okay. similar. Okay, it's okay. That makes sense. Yes. So he prevented that new merchandise, essentially, of Kadabra from being made so for two decades now uh abra in the pokemon train card game has always had an ability to evolve directly into alakazam that is hilarious but he has since lessened on his stance and said you know i was a dick <laughs> pokemon is cool now and so kadabra will finally get now? a new card yes it took him 20 years but he did it now? Now. Okay. I don't know why. I I assume it's because now that fact is the most famous thing about him. Okay, you know what? That's the fair point. And imagine getting harassed for that every day because no one remembers anything else about you. Uh, rumors of a new Mario baseball. God, I'm tired. On one hand, maybe cool. On the other hand... The last, like, eight Mario sports games? <sighs> I'm gonna level with you. Mario Baseball is in my top 100 games of all time. I fucking love Mario Superstar Baseball. I, I, I see that. I see that. That, that click. That checks out. It's by far the best Mario sports game. It's one of the deepest ones. I, I did a big fucking video on it. 
And I got in touch with the Mario Superstar Baseball online community who have since created versions of the game with near-perfect netplay. And, like, it's a good-ass game. It it makes baseball interesting, which is much more than I can say about baseball. <laughs> like, I love that game, and the sequel has King K. Rule in it. So, like, fuck. Oh, yeah. But, like... I hate to be a downer, I cannot see a new Nintendo sports game even coming close to that. I can't either. And it, it's crazy to me, because they used to come out every year and still be quality. Toadstool Tour 2003, Power Tennis 2004, Superstar Baseball 2005. At some point, the Striker game came out. I don't know if that was the same year as one of those, or 2006, but it did. Like, God, on the GameCube, Mario was on a fucking roll, and he still had GBA versions. And you know what? That GBA golf game is one of the best RPGs on the GBA. Yeah, I've heard the... I've heard the- Reputation. Ugh. I have zero faith in it, if true. That's super upsetting. This is, this is the one. I know a lot of people are like, Strikers is the one. No, you're wrong. This, this is the one. It's so frustrating. Tennis Aces was a fantastic fighting game until you realize there were only like two and a half characters in it. <laughs> Maybe this will buck the trend. There, there, there's a chance, right? Don't lie to me. I heard it was maybe being developed by Namco. Don't lie That's directly to my developer. face. I'm just trying to protect you from harm. I'm already hurting. The wooded nail baseball bat is already in my spine. Mario is grinding up against it and is whispering softly into my ear. There will be uh, only 24 characters. Uh. <laughs> Pianta have will not be in the roster. Uh. It's just going to be heroes versus villains. You get nine of each. Three of those are toads. That was a pretty close toad impression, actually. That was nice. (laughs) I didn't like that. (laughs) Oh. Uh, IGN reports that Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo will not be at E3 this year. You know what? Like, I wasn't feeling E3. I feel like the people behind it have been kind of shitting the bed at organizing it, but rebranding it to E0, like, maybe that, there's something there. No, 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 no. You just have to shift it a little bit. You just change the letter, you change the number to a letter, so it becomes E-A. Because that's all that's going to be there. <laughs> There'll probably be a Ubisoft cringy dancing performance. Ubisoft doesn't count. They're not real. But they're bringing Rayman back, though. Yeah, but that's that team. The rest of Ubisoft doesn't count. I'll give you that, yeah. Like, like if Nintendo's not going to be there... Uh, the E3, uh, this, this might be the death knell for them. Like, Jeff Keighley came in when they needed to, and I feel like he's just bullying it out of existence. Yep. <sighs> End of an era, really. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel like that ended a couple of years ago. Let's be honest, but well, well yes, but there is always this clinging. Oh, what? What if though? But th- this is the this is the feel that like it is completely flatlined. Yeah, like the family has stopped visiting. At one point, it was like a death out of necessity. This is a death because people are done. They are getting mm-hmm. Ebenezer Scrooged. Ah, well, at, at least it was a uh, slow enough death that it's not really that painful. Yep. That it's gone. 
And to round us out, Yakuza producer taken aback by how many women find Goro Majima so attractive. Really now? Yeah. A man with that much charisma? You're surprised by that? They're like, he's a weird guy who lives in trash cans. That was their thing. But they were announcing the results of a Yakuza popularity poll live. And he was like, and as I said, number one's name was Goro Majima. I was taken aback by how many women were cheering so loudly. <laughs> I need to play one of those games at some point. They're great. Uh, Zero or Like a Dragon. Fine starring places. All right. And they go on sale for like five bucks all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, just wait for a sale. They happen often. Good to know. All right. That is the news. Uh, looking at releases for the month of February. Um, anything you're looking forward to? I remember real quick what's coming out. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, childhood game. Got friends making it. That's fair. Yes, please. Uh, someone did tell me that there are less spells in Hogwarts Legacy than on Hero in Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> okay, how much is that really, though? Because Hero's got, like, 16 or 20 on his down, but his neutrals all have three variations, so that's nine. I think they were counting it as about 24. 24? Uh, okay. Uh, also, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe is coming out. Oh shit! Right, I saw the leaked like back of that. That's actually got like extra that leaked back? stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I went. Oh shit! Gotta shit. get it now. No choice. That would make a really easy video, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, like a Dragon Ishin is coming out this month. Uh, Octopath Traveler Two, Tales of Symphonia Remastered, Theater Rhythm. Nah, like. Like, between Hogwarts and, uh, I still have to get to Dead Space, I think that's about all. And Kirby, and Kirby. I'll fit Kirby in there somehow. I might do Tales of Symphonia. I love that game on release, and it has been 19 years since I've played it. <laughs> I, I, I just need to remind myself. Because, like, I can say with no confidence anything about that game anymore, other than Cam Clark as Kratos was great. <laughs> I suppose Wild Hearts is coming out. That's the EA Monster Hunter. Oh, okay. I'm going to wait a bit to see just how that pans out. Because EA. Yeah. No. Fair. Uh, what you working on? Um, now that Snake has been, uh, has graced us with his presence. So this month we were, we actually generously were approached by uh, an indie studio that is making a game called uh, Mika and the Witch's Mountain. And this is a Kiki's Delivery Service inspired platform type game. It's, I, when I look at it instantly, I go, oh, it's a hat in time by way of Kiki's delivery service. Yeah, and at screenshots, I kind of get that vibe as well. Yeah, and it, it just makes me happy. Um, we'll be doing a stream of it. Um, definitely by the time this goes out, it'll already have happened. And we're going to do a little coverage for it. Um, the game has an active Kickstarter campaign right now. So if that looks like something that interests you, yeah, that's a thing. They've been really nice. Nice. You, your channel's finally hit that point where you're like, the good games are reaching out to you. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Just moving that Raid Shadow Legends advertisement to the back <laughs> of the spam folder. <laughs> I got that like, when I was at like 10,000. They were, they just throw that at everybody. Oh, I know. I, I, I know how many I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> I know how much more money I could have, but don't. 
So yeah, uh, that's going to be a little focus, and then we're going to continue working on Exodia. Nice. Uh, Snake is all done. We're all happy with that. Very happy with how that turned out. And just, yeah. It'll be fun and interesting working on a character that primarily isn't video game focused. Very fun. But branching out. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, don't let it bomb, please. <laughs> that's not a responsibility to you. That's a responsibility to the world. If you want to keep this relationship you have with me going right now, then you really ensure my success. Because all this could go away the instant you displease me. What are you working on? Uh, I have good news and I have bad news. Uh, the good news is I'm about 30 minutes done with the Ridley video. I got into a very nice flow working on DK December. Just help me, like, split videos into chunks and work on them more You're satisfyingly. Uh, the problem is I haven't gotten to the moveset portion of the video yet. Oh! Oh, modern video essay trends. There's a lot I want to talk about, and I think this video is going to be very long. I mean, it is already very long. It's going to get longer. I get you. I don't think I'll crack the hour barrier, but I might get close. There might be a few Design Dorks episodes that are shorter than <laughs> this is going to end up as. <laughs> Fair. Because, like, I want to talk about his history with Smash. I want to talk about the manga because it's the best he's ever been. There's, there's just a lot that most other characters don't have. But it's fun, and I hope I have it out this month, but we'll see. You February can do it. a short month. I believe in you. I am... we'll see. <laughs> I'm not confident, but I'm also not not confident. You can do right it. Right in a line there. You're looking very handsome today. I am a mess, but I appreciate the compliment nonetheless. Thank you. Have you been working out? Damn. You're good. Hard. I'm doing way better than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, please, if I need to be in a YouTube boxing match, please take my place. Uh oh. Uh, you know what? I bet I could do it. Sure. Why not? Thank you. Uh, I have anyway, no cardio. Bonus stage. Yeah. Welcome to bonus stage. Uh, I got a fairly simple one, if I okay. want me to go first. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I just figured, it's been a while, D&D stories are fun. Let's tell some more D&D stories. Oh, do it! So, for the first time in a very long time, I finally got the chance to be a player for once. I've been running the game for years, just like, there's a DM shortage always, you just never get a chance. But my cousin was like, hey, I want to run a game. I was like, yeah, sure! I don't so think I you were like, yeah, sure. I think you were like, oh god, finally! Yes, that that's my, is more accurate. So I, got, I finally got to create a character I've wanted to for so long. Uh, let me tell you the story of Milligax the Magnificent. Let me hear of Milligax. Milligax is a kobold that for all of the seven years he's been alive, kobolds age very fast. He has wanted to be a wizard. He's seen all the stories about the, the wizards with their pointed hats and their awesome spells shaping the world around him, and he wants to have that chance and he has zero magical talent whatsoever. What but his tragedy. desperation was so great that a fiendish entity took notice and made him his patron. So, Milligax is a warlock that really believes that he is the greatest wizard of all time. Oh, I love this little guy. Look at him he, with just one Patreon supporter. <laughs> it has been... It was, well, it was so fun. He's dead now, but I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> it was so fun just playing them as this absolute pompous, just 
tiny lizard, whereas the rest of the party is just like massive giants, and I have the highest charisma by far, so the entire party walk in, and everyone's eyes will go to them, and then go down. Whereas the, 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 there's this, like, dressed as, like, classic Missy, Mickey Mouse in Fantasia, the lizard, going like, You have been in the presence of Miracax the Magnificent! Surrender now, and your lives will be spared! And that's just the character. What the entire good, way through. What a good boy. What a... Oh, gosh. Are you able to talk afterward? Um, I am drunk while doing so, which adds to it tremendously. Got it. You can do it. Got it. A- absolutely. I I don't know if that just makes it so that the pain doesn't happen. I also, I, the vo- voice probably gets significantly worse the more I drink. So it's probably just be just screaming at the end of it. But it was so much fun. But unfortunately... There was a duel up top of Desert Mesa. I got punched off of it by a beefy rock with... Not the beefy rock. It's like a humanoid vulture with beefy arms, and I fell to my death. Oh. Tragically, his story ended. Oh, gravity bad. But I, I had an idea after that, because I'll be honest, I was a bit salty about the death. Like, my cousin's a great DM, but he designs encounters in the way that, like... From software designed the original Dark Souls. Like, this is just kind of, kind of hurt you, and if you survive, then cool. Neat. So I, I, I was feeling like that's a bit bullshit, but I was just kind of trying to think of a way that, how can I continue this while still, like, keeping what was fun? And I had an idea. In D&D, there's these things called Warforged. They're essentially droids. Mm-hmm. But, like, sentient. I was like, right. okay, okay, let me think, let me think. What if, like... Just a a fragment of Milagax's soul kind of just brushed past a broken-down droid as he passed, and that droid reawakens. Unsure what that presence was, but it left enough of an impression that it has saved it. It must be some, some divine entity. The one true wizard. I must devote myself to the religion of the one true wizard. So I am now playing as a cleric, worshipping my deceased character trying to bring him back as one of the gods of this realm. Please tell me his name is Mechagax. No, it is um, following the alliteration of the uh, of Milgax and uh, really only feeling a desire for vengeance from Milgax. My character's name is Vengeance the Vengeful. Good name, good name. It was the best that Milgax could come up with. Very subtle. And it's just been a ton of fun. I it already know. like it. No, if that character dies, I'm going to come back as an artificer that's been just looking for this droid. Being like, oh my god, the society of the one true wizard was real. I knew it all this time. <laughs> and I just thought it was a fun way of showcasing that, yeah, character deaths, they don't have to be the end for you. You can have fun with this. Yeah. Death can be a storytelling tool. And I don't really have, like, a, a through line for this. So I'm just going to completely jump to a different story now. Please do. Uh, I had a couple more fun stories with just the part, the game that I run with my family that I just wanted to say. Mm-hmm. There's there's a simple joy of DMing for people I know well. Uh, my sister is currently playing what is essentially a shark elf barbarian, a, uh, a Sahuajin Malenti for any D&D nerds out there, and she can talk to sharks. So I had a pair of them get her attention and lead the party to an old shipwreck just for a fun encounter. Mm-hmm. And just for fun, the sharks' names, I just swapped the first letter of my sister's kids' names. Because despite being adorable, they are absolutely bloodthirsty monsters. And the reaction when they finally... I had to tell them because they're stupid. But they when they finally realized that was such 
Oh, I love Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons so much. You can make <laughs> people happy so easily in so many different ways. Yes. Also, my sister grabbed a zombie and used it as a bludgeoning weapon to fight the other zombies, and that was just fun. That's good. What was the power of the zombie compared to the zombie? Roughly equal. Okay. To a point that they both kind of just splatted as soon as she swung it. Fun. And that was fun. That is fun. Dungeons and Dragons is fun. It can be. That's true, actually. Like, you need a good group first. Because if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons with people you don't get along with, that is hell. Like, oh, why Why are you just, why are you so horny for every NPC? Like, just, just, just get a girlfriend, man. <laughs> I don't want to be part of this. I look forward to seeing what replaces it in the cultural zeitgeist. Because holy shit, Wizards of the Coast. It'll just be Pathfinder or something else. Or maybe Critical Role will create their own. I think the tabletop RPG phenomenon has gotten to a point that people will literally just take away the Dungeons & Dragons brand from Wizards of the Coast and just say, yeah, I'm playing this, but just use completely different... It's it's like Star Wars and George Lucas. Like, that has gotten to a point that it's just gone. Yeah, I get it. Wizards of the Coast have no control over this. It's too ingrained in people having their own individual interpretation of how the game functions. Oh, I get it. I just appreciate seeing someone try to have copyright authority over make-believe. Oh, it's so fun to watch just companies try to be scummy and just miserably fail. That was that was satisfying. I haven't liked Wizards of the Coast for a while, for a while now, and I'm glad that people are finally catching on. Good. They are... Well, now they're scum, but before they were just really... Just, just entitled, showy... What's the word I'm looking for? When you want to look good, but you're really just a dick. Pompous. There we go, pompous. That's perfect. Pompous company. But yeah, nice and short and sweet. I just nice. want to tell some D&D stories. Very cool. Do you want me to talk about wrestling or ducks? Is this another case where you'll pick the one that I don't want? Because I really want to talk about ducks. I like ducks. <laughs> yeah, no, I was actually going to pick whichever one. Uh, to shout yes. out the other one... God, what Sami Zayn is doing right now with the bloodline, that's that's beautiful storytelling. Just, I've never seen a more nuclear pop for a person hitting someone in the back with a chair. Like, that was catharsis of months, and I can't possibly describe to you why without 20 minutes explaining why. <laughs> However, please rest assured that it is heartbreaking soap opera drama. Nice. There was a trial and almost an execution. Oh, wow. Okay. Admittedly, the execution was going to be a man hitting another man with his fist really hard. However, <laughs> I can kill people. I yeah, you can. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Scrooge McDuck. Yes, that's what I was hoping you were talking about. Okay, cool. Um, so Scrooge McDuck is not my favorite Disney character. He is my favorite fictional character of all time, above Donkey Kong above i i've debated with him he's never been lower than number three for me ever but above dk above kirby and i think now above death from Discworld, who was always the debate for my number one as soon as i learned Ooh. who that character was that is high praise that is the one character that i hold really dear that and beatrice from umineko which is you have completely changed my way of interpreting fiction so i rate you pretty highly because you changed my worldview on how i read and ingest 
things, but yeah, Scrooge has always been important to me. When I caught COVID about two and a half months ago, I was in I was unable to do much. Uh, the only thing I managed to will myself to do was watch online games of Yu-Gi-Oh! and flip over and watch the 2017 DuckTales series. And I just want to talk before I talk about that, I want to talk about Scrooge McDuck. Because Scrooge is about as perfect of a fictional character as I think you could get. He is the embodiment of an ideal, that being the idea of hard work and paying off. Scrooge is, not to a fault, to an absolute extreme, the desire to gain more wealth, the desire to gain more, to bring yourself up from nothing, but always taking the hard way, never taking a shortcut, and judging everyone around him as harshly as possible if they do not hold themselves up to the same standard. He is a character who does the absolute impossible, slays dragons, goes through time, becomes immortal. He is a brilliant adventurer, and he looks to any average Joe Schmo as like, I did this from nothing, I was just a lad who shined shoes. You can do the same, you from greater privilege. Meanwhile, I here, with all of the money, deserve to give none of it to you. It was earned by me, fair and square. Why can you not do the same as me? And you look at that and you go, that's a fucking great villain. Like, that's a character with understandable motivations to be the way he is. That's a character with absolute control. That's a character who is making an honest statement of things. While simultaneously, he's just basically a primordial evil of wealth. But that's not who Scrooge is. Scrooge is a protagonist. The one thing that he loves more than all of the wealth that he has ever accrued is his family. And every single story that you can tell with Scrooge McDuck is a matter of him deciding what is more valuable to him. Everything that has built up who he is or the connections with others that he has forged through that. And which is worth more weight to him. What is worth its weight in gold to Scrooge McDuck? And the thing is, he does not always pick family. Scrooge McDuck does awful, horrible things to some people, sometimes leaving them imprisoned as gold statues for centuries. But he's always trying to redeem himself and try to figure out within himself what that redemption means. What is the level that I need to value myself at. What is morality, basically? And every story that you can tell with Scrooge McDuck can examine that in so many different ways. And because of what he is, because of his cartoonish nature, you can tell any story you want with him. He's a brilliant adventurer. He's a brilliant comedian. He's a great family character. He's flexible. Like, when you look at Mickey's Christmas Carol, that is not Ebenezer Scrooge. That is just Scrooge McDuck. Mm-hmm. Best incarnation of it. And it's not even the same character. Like, I get that he's <laughs> inheriting the role of Ebenezer Scrooge, of course, but his reactions are not based on Ebenezer. His reactions are based on the comic books. Mm-hmm. There is not a single story that you can tell with Scrooge McDuck that 
does not have that heart. He is so brilliantly encapsulated, and this character is the uncle of Donald fucking Duck. <laughs> like, any age can look at this story. Anyone can look at this character. And you can feel everything that Scrooge is about, and he can only possibly give you more the more that you put into him. He is quite literally a wealth. And I believe he's still the Forbes number one richest fictional character in all of existence. I feel like that can't be true, but I, I rank him that pretty regardless, because he's definitely the best one. Well, it, it's definitively significantly more than Bruce Wayne and Iron Man and those and the like of that, and Richie Rich. Well, I, mean, I mean, like, fiction, you're, you're gonna get into, like, I don't know, sci-fi. That's of like more resources. Of, like, quantifiable wealth. Okay, 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 okay. I'm following. With all of that, I think DuckTales 2017 is my least favorite interpretation of Scrooge McDuck. Now, before people freak out, like, is that still, like, an 8 out of 10? That is still or... a 9 out of 10 character. Figured. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely love it. It leans so hard into his adventuring side that, honestly, you lose a lot of that internal conflict with Scrooge. He has... A very sad backstory. He has events in his past that change his mood and whatnot. But, like, even in the 1980s DuckTales cartoon, one of his first statements is like, Oh yeah, we can starve the poor, we can shut down the poorhouse if we need. Who cares, they'll figure it out. Like, Scrooge McDuck is still Scrooge McDuck, and he's a soft Saturday morning cartoon character in that. In this, he's allowed to be a little bit more extreme, but he has built in a much stronger semblance of family. And that that works for me a lot as a character, but it's missing the nuance that I feel Scrooge has. There are some times where it comes out. There is one episode specifically where Scrooge McDuck is basically on trial against a god, judging if his actions have irrevocably harmed those around him. And some villains, is like, no, they would have been evil before that. But one of them is like, no, when he looks at that, Scrooge really did just leave her brother to die and let her suffer. And he gained nothing in it other than smug satisfaction of, well, you shouldn't have messed with Scrooge McDuck. And Louie is watching that, one of his little nephews, and goes, Uncle Scrooge, I don't think I can defend that. I don't think I can do it. And Scrooge admits, yeah, no. I fucked up. I was really an awful person. And he just kind of has to live with that and live with that guilt for it. And that's brilliant. That's like three moments of the show where that happens. And I am disappointed with that because DuckTales 2017 is probably my favorite interpretation of every single other character that show has. It is my favorite Donald. It is by far my favorite Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> Huey isn't as strong as the other two, but Dewey and Louie are incredible. Launchpad is incredible. There has never been a stupider fictional character that gets a better payoff than him. It homages gargoyles. It has a massive Darkwing Duck homage twice that it does brilliantly. It homages Goof Troop. Goofy is just in one episode. Because he's there, and he's there to act as Donald's conscious, because Donald is feeling selfish that he's locked his family in a sitcom-like prison universe, because he just wants to feel a normal life, 
because he is way too stressed and he is going to die because he was a moon prisoner for several months. Like, the lore of DuckTales 2017 is absolutely fantastic, and Scrooge McDuck is right up there as one of its best characters. And it's not even close to his best interpretation. Like, I just want to sing the praises of DuckTales 2017 so, so loudly. It is full of some of the most clever reinventions. Flintheart Glomgold goes from essentially Scrooge McDuck, but he doesn't compromise and will take shortcuts, and that makes him evil compared to Scrooge, but really, they're not so different as people, and they both acknowledge it, and they hate it, and that's a great hook for a character, but this Flintheart Glomgold is fucking insane! He has a scheme which only works because everyone around him is going, this is too stupid. Why is Scrooge McDuck dressed as Santa Claus right now? And they are trying to outthink his stupidity so much that it fails around him and he succeeds with his absolutely batshit stupid plan because you cannot plan for the unplannable. It is one of the most fun interpretations of a character. He goes to Scrooge McDuck's funeral. He goes in and dubstep starts playing as he starts raining down money on everyone around him. This joke is never done at any other time in the show. It's just the most jarring change of pace <laughs> for a pure comedy bit as he is flinging money at Scrooge McDuck's corpse. And it is beautiful. I have told you no spoilers so far. No, I, I believe you. <laughs> I I haven't seen much of the show, but I've seen... So many clips that I love so, so much. Oh, it is Just worth that, going for. Like, like, like those like clips when, um, tell a story, but... Yeah, like when Huey, Dewey, and Lear are trying to decide which of them was dropped as an egg. And you have two of them look at each other, nod, look at the other one. Like, yeah, no, him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Donald's the... voice gets fixed for... I can't remember the reason, but he just goes... Yeah, well, avoid that storm. I am the storm. Have yes. you been saying things like that just <laughs> yeah. this entire time? Yes. I, I, I need to watch that show at some, at some point. I know you the writing's just impeccable. Uh, Dewey is pretending to be dead, and Scrooge goes, Look at what they've done to my favorite nephew! And she goes, What? And he goes, I'm your favorite! And they all look at him, and it's not even a cut. He's just dead on the floor immediately after that. <laughs> it is pitch perfect. What they do with Webby in the show, an absolutely nothing character from the original run, Oh, she is Mabel if Mabel was better. And I say that with huge praise to Mabel. It has everything. And I say this with this going, yeah, this is the weakest version of Scrooge McDuck. The one that is a professional wrestler who has wrestled at Ragnarok. <laughs> and because he is wrestling them, he is preventing Jormungandr from coming and sundering the world. I know we talked about Goofy Ragnarok later, but I, 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 Scrooge Ragnarok just sounds so much better. No, this is just an actual episode. I'm not exaggerating. No, I know you're not, <laughs> but I'd like to just play a full game like that. Yeah. I just, ugh, I can't give this character enough praise. As, as much as I do enjoy, I think it's David Tennant who does his voice in the 2017 yes, cartoon. Yes, it is David Tennant. Yeah. He does a good job. Alan Young as Scrooge McDuck. Oh my gosh. He he did it since the character was first voiced up until his passing. He was in his 90s when he recorded lines for DuckTales Remastered. 
And there is such a tenderness to his voice. There is such a kindness to his voice that always comes out. But he clearly loves being angry as Scrooge. He loves shouting. He loves tearing people down. But, oh my gosh, when you rewatch Mickey's Christmas Carol, it's that scene where he's pretending to be cruel to Bob Cratchit at the end. Where he's... Mm-hmm. About to reveal that oh, he's going yes, to make Bob yes, his yes, partner. Yes, 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 Just that slow turn is just... That is everything to me. That is everything realized in, like, two sentences. And when Tiny Tim looks in his sack and goes, Toys! And he goes, Yes, toys. No, I, I, I mean, I want you to be have 50-50 and make you my partner. It's just... There's such a kindness to that voice. Oh my to, god, Minnie's accent makes so much more sense why I love it so much. <laughs> and, and as I said, this should be the most villainous character imaginable. It's literally capitalism. No, yeah, but like the idealized what it actually like in an ideal world should be. Yes, but still showing all of the dark sides, all of the people that it could hurt, all of the struggles that come with it, the easy temptation of it. It's its not just the idea of capitalism or the idea of gaining of self-worth personified. It is examining it from every possible angle and telling infinite beautiful stories about it and translate it so that even the smallest child can understand, but anyone can dive in and find its absolute depths. And that's just... That's wonderful to me. I haven't read through his full Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck comic run, just bits and pieces here and there, but always a delightful time, always expanding on those thoughts and ideas. It's just... uh, This sort of character in this idealized way is why I love fiction. I got to experience that again with my least favorite interpretation of the character. (laughs) Which I, I feel is, is a testament to how good he is. <laughs> I recommend DuckTales to everyone. I don't care if you don't like Mickey and Friends at all. I've seen other Mickey and Friends things. I've seen House of Mouse. I see they did uh, Three Caballeros recently to spin off of that. That is fine. This tops it. Gosh, I don't think it's a better cohesive story than Gravity Falls. I think that it was a bit rushed at the end. But I think the individual beats are some of the strongest in animation you will find. Nice. And then you also have the 80s cartoon, which is an 80s cartoon, but it's just happy adventures. And that feels good because guess what? Scrooge McDuck is the fucking main character. Of course it's good. (laughs) I've never put much thought into the character, but like this has given me such a deeper appreciation for him because like you're right. I, I, I can't give much feedback apart from that. Wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's completely correct. I think he's been knighted. Like, I would not, not in be fiction, surprised. in real life. No, no, no. I, I, I'm following. And like, yeah, probably. Please talk more about Scrooge McDuck so I can talk more about him with you. That is open to anyone <laughs> listening to this. God damn, I love these stupid ducks. Donald is also exceptional. Donald's really good. It is He is the storm. He is the storm. It's the most believable romance with Daisy he's ever had. Th- there's a moment where he's trying to get his band to play at a venue that she is like overseeing for an influencer's party. 
mm-hmm. and she's trapped in an elevator with him due to his own shenanigans. And she's like, okay, show me what you got. Cause she's just sick of everything and he's just nice to her, but is also angry at everything. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll humor you. And he starts singing and it's the Donald Duck voice and it's awful. And then slowly you start hearing him in the most beautiful, deep voice. And you're like, oh, oh, this is how she hears him all the time. Oh, oh, that's that's so adorable. Yes. I could go on and on. I love that. Show. I am. I am sure if, if this wasn't going for three and a half hours, I would just not, I would demand that you not stop talking because I'm loving this. I get you. I didn't even talk <laughs> about Magicka Dispel. Holy shit, what they do with her. <sighs> okay. Uh, comments? Let's do comments. Okay. Okay. I like this comment because it just brings up nice memories from Justin. What are your favorite credit sections and songs in a video game? I really like this one because it's just a nice, just like, oh, what, what, what was that nicest? Just ending sequence for you. What touched you the most? So it's cheating to say Nier Automata, but Nier Automata? I do know why. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it, but yes, that makes total yeah, sense. Yeah, like, that's, that's the one. Um... Both Kirby's Dreamland 3 and Kirby 64, just because they're always shown in that picture book style with Adeline's drawings. Oh, yes. Oh, that, that, that doesn't quite change my answer, but oh, that's... Metal Gear Solid 3, because it has the most overdramatic song for it. <laughs> just to uh, go, includes lyrics such as, Oh, I've got something in my throat. I need to stay afloat as I suffer. That, 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 that does sound like Metal Gear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, same thing with Metal Gear Solid 1, but actually, non-ironically, the best is yet to come is one of the most beautiful ending sequences. Even if it's, like, playing over realistic footage of caribou in the snow. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, it's such a beautiful song. Oh, you know what? Absolute answer is Final Fantasy VI. That's a brilliant sequence. Because before it hits credits, it's uh, showing you Kefka's tower, mm-hmm. and the credit sequence plays over your characters escaping a crumbling Kefka's tower. And oh it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I remember. It spotlights every individual one of them, and every time it spotlights one of them, it plays their motif, but in a more triumphant manner to show them, you know, helping the others to show their bond. And when it gets to Celis and Locke, two characters who have started yes. far apart and are just trying to get close, it plays that opera theme that is so entwined with Celis's character and blends in with Locke's theme to show that they are together, that they have overcome all of the obstacles that were emotionally keeping them apart and saying that they are together. It's like a 15-minute credit song, and every bit of it is used to tell a story. It is such a beautiful sequence. Totally agree. I don't think it's as strong, but I also love Final Fantasy IX's mm, yeah. just ending credits. Yeah, just, just having Vivi narrates like final oh, moments. Yeah, yeah, that's that's mm, that's so powerful. I, I think my favorite for me is actually Ori in the Blind Forest because mm. of the 
just, just the music drop after the uh, very heavy emotional ending to that game, where the the owl crow, who has been your antagonist the entire time, mm-hmm. ends up choosing to save her babies and sacrifice herself. So it's an ending where you you basically try to take care of the antagonist's children, and just having that slow realization where you're panning over the egg. She's just one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. I don't know if you know the... I can't, I don't remember the singer's name off the top of my head. I'm actually going to Google this. One second. This is Sorry. important to me. N- no problem. I'm just going to say, oh, wow, I love the ending of Dinoblade. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce this. Airily Brighton? Apologies if I got that wrong, but, like, has an absolute beautiful voice. And just the chanting that starts right off of the emotional payoff of that story, I was in tears. Like, that outright just broke a dam and just broke me just a perfect fusion of uh narr- the narrative beats and uh the musical crescendo mm-hmm. uh apart from that i will also double down that's any if if kirby games would just bring adeline back to do the credits art i would be so happy like come on <laughs> yes it's the best thing ever uh, let's go ahead and this was a very weird question, but I was fascinated by what your answer could possibly be. Okay. Um, from 3XHS, what are your favorite and least favorite digits as in 0 through 9? Okay. Yeah, okay, but like... Um... Hmm. <laughs> I like 3 because a lot of great video game sequels really nail it at 3. You've got Mario, you've got Metal Gear, you've got Devil May Cry, Persona stuck the landing at three. Mm -hmm. Three is a good number to build confidence with. When it gets to four, you start getting wary. Uh, Five does nothing for me. I do have a definite, like, distaste for one. It's annoying to write. Sometimes it's just, you can't tell if it's an I, if it's a lowercase L. I have to chronicle a lot of stuff at work. It's always annoying to write, okay, how do I make this one legible? Come on. Um, no, I can't hate it, because Manfred von Karma's pin number is 0001, because he's number one. (laughs) Uh, seven's fun. Seven is fun. Yeah, I don't hate seven. It ain't nine. (laughs) No. Nine is my least favorite. It's dead. Wait, actually, no, that means seven did vor. Never mind, seven's the worst. (laughs) Just imagine, you know why is actually, six actually, afraid of seven? Tag warnings, four. Yes. <laughs> you know, I will say I have an active distaste for four, because I've been waiting for Rayman 4 for so many years, and have still not gotten it. There is a bit of pain associated with that digit that I can actually, like, latch onto. Yeah. I'm sure that Valve fans won't agree with me how great three is, but... <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's be kind of become such a meme that it's almost funny, and it kind of makes it more endearing. Like, 3 is a legend in that case. That's true. I can get on the 3 bandwagon. There's a really nice Mac puzzle game called 3 and 3. I'm sure nobody's ever heard of it, but I would I would highly recommend it. It's a very good puzzle game. Nice. Hard to emulate. You gotta get, a, like, a Mac OS. Also, the same people that made a Fool's Errand. I have a tattoo to two of that one. Cool. Delightful game. Um, let's grab... Just because I'm sure if we don't tackle this, I'm sure somebody else will ask it. Uh, Bino Nintendo is asking about the Delzathin list. Okay. Pretty sure you've seen that. Yes, uh, I saw I skimmed it. Um, I don't entirely agree with his philosophies, but I think anyone articulating themselves well enough and, like, what 
design means to them like absolutely no respect uh disrespect rather <laughs> absolutely <laughs> no respect <laughs> no it's how horrible. dare you the worst <laughs> but no it's really cool that more people are doing this and expressing that i think that between everyone else like you shouldn't take our opinion as gospel by which i mean you shouldn't absolutely. take duke's mine is correct what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> however with that, with that aside, well, no, oh, no, 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 you don't just get to throw me under the bus for no reason, just casual drive-by, shot through the head, moving on. What the hell? I am the way. <laughs> no one gets to K rule except through me. But no, seriously, I think that taking Ugh. everyone's opinions into account and coming to your own conclusions based on that and what makes design good is is a good thing. Yeah. I, I don't think I could make a perfect Smash Brothers roster based on my changes. I could make the one that I think is best, but I don't think it'll be the best for everyone. I do think he weighted Luigi a little unfairly, but he also yeah, looks I, at Luigi differently than I do. Yeah, it, it did feel odd to go from toxicity of Luigi to, oh, Ness is S tier. Like, I, I can see the Ness placement in a vacuum, like, well, the, just the sheer amount of effects and all of that, but right after Luigi with that... Yeah, I can see why you would rate Luigi that if you only studied Ultimate. Yes. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like PK Fire could at least, you can make an argument that it could be like, have a different functionality with how universally hated it is on all skill levels. I would call Ness's moveset an S tier on Paula. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, th then she's at the bat. That's well, a well, well, yeah, but just give her like a frying pan and Mr. Bear instead. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, in terms of a platform fighter, it's also just you hit yourself with your recovery like that, that yeah. alone. No, it is very clever and very unique. No, no doubt about that. It, like, I'm only saying this because it's I, I agree that it is like the value comes from the diversity of the opinions. Like yes. all of us are going to have something different to say. And I think there's value in people's like why they think the way they do. I don't necessarily I don't agree with most of it, but like I want to see how it shapes up. Yeah. Um, if he is interested in having a wrestling match with me, uh, I will do so. Uh, I have not what, what trained in it, over? but I am confident I would win. What's the stakes? Like, what one are you really just doubling down on? Uh, none. I just want to have a wrestling match. Oh, just for the guts? <laughs> yeah, but there's a rivalry now. I'll dress as Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come in with his Mario Strikers Charge theme. I'll do a salsa in the middle of the ring. Becomes a Luigi versus Ness deathmatch. That was the Smash Remix trailer, actually, word for word. Yeah, well, I mean, he into it now. Yeah. Well, he could dress as, like, Mega Man or something. I don't know. Yeah. I will ask, because I did see a few people in the comments of that video being kind of rude while essentially parroting our opinions. Like, just doubling down on, like, we are not gospel. And, like... If somebody disagrees, that's not a bad thing. Like, have a discussion. Let's, like, have some class about it. Yeah. You know, I, I see that. I disagree. Uh, there are these points, but, like, they went through the effort of presenting it in a video form and did yeah. well in it. So, like, I respect the hell out of that. But, like, as we've said several times, like, articulation is what's most important. Precisely. If you can do that, that's what matters. Yes. It also helps if you're correct, like me. <laughs> That's not gonna help. That's <laughs> well, yeah, Moving but none on. of no one else is correct like me. Uh, let's go to eight bit wise man or something. Uh, asks like, 
what would your gym look like if you were a Pokemon gym leader? Hmm. A lot of variables to that, so take some time if you need it. I would be a ghost-type trainer, and it would be a murder mystery-themed gym, and you would only fight me if you solved the mystery. (laughs) And every time you got a clue wrong, you had to fight a ghost-type trainer, because you killed someone. Yeah, that encapsulates me well. And I would have Mega Bayonet, because I love Bayonet. Nice, nice. And probably Cubone would be there. He's not a ghost, but he's ghost-adjacent. I feel like... I mean, Marowak is ghost in Alola, right? Yes, but I like Cubone. <laughs> fair, fair. Absolutely fair. Cubone's adorable. Yes. Um, I might have just be playing Hi-Fi Rush too close to this, and it's influencing me. But I love just the entire setup of the research and development departments of just somebody that is just throwing wild ideas out there with no regards to budgets or anything like that. Just an absolute sack of it. So it would be like just a... Maybe like come up with... uh. I need like a theme space. Maybe like just coming up with a new Pokemon design. Just go meta with it. That sounds like me. Oh, that's fun. Kind of like in um, Delta Room where you make the tank. Something like that. But that with oh, that sounds fun. That that and sounds the, like instead of a duck, it's a full humanoid thing. That's just immediate, just out for me. Well, I mean, with a duck, then that sounds like perfect. If you're like a Porygon trainer. And I think my uh, team. I've always felt that I would be like Steel Psychic. Especially after working with the Steelyard. I feel like that's just what my avatar is. Mm-hmm. So we gotta have... Gotta have Bronzong. Gonna have Spoink, because I think Spoink's hilarious. And it looks like it should be Steel Psychic. Maybe if I can get away with, like, a Scyther... Well, there's already a Cleaver. It'd be following along that lines. Yeah. Can I get Placephalon? I know he's a weird freakazoid from outer space, but I'm the only guy who likes him. <laughs> I really like him. He's a clown and his head explodes. And I'm like, that's my aesthetic. Yeah, It would really just be like Pokemon's I'd love the designs for. Yeah, if you, if you can't compare with these, then you're not worth my time and effort. Yeah, let me, let me see. Ghost type Pokemon. Let me make it a team for me. Because, okay, so Bayonet, um, Blacephalon, Cubone. What else would I have? Oh, Mimikyu. Nice. And, uh, yeah, let's do Frostlass. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And not a sixth, because gym leaders never have six, except they're true, blue. True. Um, uh, just looking at all the steel. Scizor's a must. Steelix as well. Love those two. I'll grab Bronzong again for the theming. Steel Psychic. Mm hmm. Uh, Aegislash is dope. I'll take that. And round it out with Magnezone. I like Magnezone. Yeah. If you want to give me a sixth, I'll take Gengar because fuck yeah, Gengar. But yeah, I'll I'll take Genesect. Genesect sick as well. Get a legendary in there. That's like your post-game team. There you go. That's fair. Okay. Fun question. Thank you. Uh, Let's do uh, Jared Hebert asked so many goddamn ones. I can't do all of them. But let's do several, but only do one word responses. You know, what? I love that. Okay. <laughs> that gets really funny with some of these. Okay. What would your perfect ideal Nintendo Direct be? Short. Hades. Okay, good. With a remake for Kirby's Return to Dream on coming soon, which Kirby game would you like to get a remake enhanced port next? 64. That's my shit. That's two words. Uh, Adeline. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. Yes. <laughs> uh, what would you like to see in the future of Smash Bros. as a franchise? Franchise Explorer. The game. Yeah, I'm not that. No, no options. Just as a franchise. RPG. Oh, did Acro Games count? Sure. Uh, um, um. Fuck, I can't think of anything better than RPG. I'm just gonna go with RPG. That that's, that's so much better than what I had. I was gonna do like targets or something, but no, that's way better. Story. Good. Is there a spin-off crossover you'd like to see made for a series you like? If so, what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's two questions, so uh let's see. I'll I'll do uh let's go. Oh yes. Chow. There we go. Oh god oh, one. Nice. Ah can I I'm so tempted to just say Adeline again. <laughs> do it. Ah Do it, the section's taking too long. I'll go Ridley. Okay. What characters would you like to see added to the next Capcom versus game? Gene. Uh which Gene? He's from God Hand. Uh, okay, okay. Until he's in, uh, that is the only response. Larry. Butts? The bus variant, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, many series deserve a collection of re-release to get another chance in the limelight to gain an audience. What do you want to see get a collection ASAP? Metal Gear. Metal. Shit. It's okay, you say metal, Snake. I'll say gear. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's do one more. Um, I like this one. What are some characters... That's actually just now Chronicles of in anyway. What some characters game series you'd like to cover in videos that might take your audience by surprise, left field, or otherwise? Skeletor. Ooh. Shit, I had one. Tough shit, I've taken your thoughts. <laughs> Until we meet again, He-Man. It's just by surprise. I don't feel like I have many... I throw what I like into my stuff. That's multiple words! Shit, right. Ah, fuck! <laughs> ah, fuck is two words still. Gurgling won't help you get to the solution. Wesley. Snipes? Nah, Princess Bride. Fair. Mine was funnier. It was much funnier. I was struggling there. Yeah, this is why I'm the right one. I just, uh... <laughs> I bet you Delzathin's going to see just something out of context, and it's going to create a whole set of beef. <laughs> I just want to wrestle him. <laughs> I mean, not even a video. Yeah. Just just for... I just want to be Luigi and wrestle. <laughs> oh, shit. Luigi's grabbed the poltergeist. Oh, no. <laughs> he can't escape the grab. <laughs> just, just theme it around... The bullshit elements of his ultimate. Oh, oh my, it seems he guidance. messed up the <laughs> super jump punch. How will he capitalize? It's the Paula with the steel chair. <laughs> oh my god, it's Waluigi! We haven't seen him since his back was broken by Donkey Kong five months ago! Can we get a Mario sports game, but it's just wrestling? Like, dude... Oh What's in the There's bag? so much you could do. <laughs> He's got a piranha plant. Latching on to the arm of Luigi. Make that 
Like, I, I'm sure the Nintendo universe is going to spin off into Smash Brothers. Make that what Smash Brothers is. It's just Master Hand announcing all these ridiculous attacks. Uh. <sighs> well, see you next month. <laughs>